And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Studios here in beautiful Northwest Pennsylvania. I want to thank each and every one of you for joining us. Thanks so much for your belief and trust in us as we walk through this minefield of current events together. I want to offer my prayers to those uh, injured, our prayers to those injured in the the, uh, shooting today. Didn't hear about it. Well, then you you got some catching up to do. There were a couple of uh, shootings. One was highly publicized where only the gunman died, and the other was at a UPS warehouse in san francisco and and therein lies therein lies joe therein exists the lesson which shooting how many shootings how many people died in chicago today Today? i don't know according to the virginia governor uh terry mcauliffe every day 93 million americans die from gun violence 93 million 93 million americans let's do the math on that he said it twice really well i was i was watching some of the the footage uh, well, uh, I was watching, uh, it was on, uh, I had uh, one monitor on Fox, one on NBC, MSNBC, and the other one on, on uh, CNN, and, uh, in my office, and, uh, which is kind of cool, you can do that. But I was, the, the one I had a, a roll back, the one, uh, uh, I don't even know who it was, said there was a shooting at our press conference today. Did you see that? And I, I thought, man, what, another one? But anyway. No, uh, he was re- referencing the the baseball game, but he referenced it. Oh, he as, said press conference instead of baseball or the practice. He said it was pre- a press conference, and I had to rewind it. And I was thinking, wait a minute. Uh, anyway, well, just real quick, uh, we got Dave yeah. Hodges. Well, let's let's get show coming on. Let's it's a shooter. Going. Yeah, his Go name's his name is James T. Hodginskin, Hodginskinson. Um Say that fast. <laughs> some people said like the disease yeah. Hodgkinson's. Um, I right. think that's how you pronounce it. But he has uh, an extensive social media footprint yep. saying Trump is a traitor. Trump's destroyed our democracy. It's time to destroy Trump. And many other, uh, even socialist and communist views, and, and as some people are putting, he was a staunch Bernie supporter. And he was very vocal about his opposition to Trump. And two Republicans in general wrote letters to the editor of his local paper, yep. was part of the Bernie campaign, made a bunch of social media posts. Um, I got it all before his Facebook accounts were scrubbed. I got all of his likes. Uh, did, did you get so, screen captures of, of his social networking? No, I didn't get I just right. copied and pasted information. Yeah, I, I tried. I tried to, and they were despairing as soon as I, I clicked on it, and bam, it went off. Um, I, I got like a, just a, a flash, and I, I don't know how that happens, but. In two separate interviews I heard today, uh, people, I'm not sure who the, who the people commenting were, but I heard them say, oh yeah, we're, the, uh, investigators, the police officers are scrubbing his Facebook accounts now. They kept said scrubbing. Scrubbing. But they were saying it in the context of gathering information from it, but then. What, like with a cloth? <laughs> but then, uh, both of his pages were, uh, taken down, so. Interesting. But we'll, well have more on that. Yeah. Uh, as the show I, 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 the, the, uh, the, the quote of the day, I've got, I've got to tell you this. It was, I think it was on CNN, the, uh, uh, the reporter, anchor, whatever, anchorette was talking to, and I don't know who she was talking to, said, 
do you think this was deliberate in, in the uh, meaning the shooting? And the person <laughs> as opposed to what? It, well, the person said, "Well, it sure as hell wasn't an accident." Well, I know. You I know? think I know what they mean. They, they mean uh, deliberately yeah. targeting the congressman versus a drive-by shooting. But that I thought it was just. Uh, that, that was funny, but but let's get right into our, our yeah. show. We, we don't want to keep anyone waiting. We've got a lot. Of, and again, look, you know, uh, we, we, what within 30 minutes of the shooting, everyone from our office, we were on uh, calls, and uh, the bottom line is this, and, and this is what we, we ended up saying. Look, this story's going to change five times, six times in the next as many minutes. We're not going to cover it right away. We're not going to get into it right away. Let the dust settle. Let's just let's just view this um, once all the facts are known, and then we understand the trajectory that the press is going to use, and that's how we're handling this. So don't expect us to really comment anymore on on the shooting. We do have Dave Hodges, thecommonsenseshow.com, with us. Let's get right to him. Dave, welcome to the Hagman and the Hagman Report. Hey, guys. Uh, good to be with you. Doug, personal note, we had some... Uh, uh, problems with the timing on our interview and responses, uh, and come to find out, uh, my internet wasn't working properly. I have no idea why, because immediately following our show, the internet was working just fine. Well, so, <clears throat> I just thought I would share that with you, because uh, we were stepping on each other's words. I go, wow, I didn't even hear him talk until he was in his tenth word, and that's why I we had internet wanted me to shut up. I, I figured, you know, I, I was so offended after that. No, you know, I, I, I knew that there was some issue there because um, th- there was a definite delay or lag, and then there was, yeah, some, uh, no worries, but, but yeah, so uh, they're picking on us, Dave. Uh, okay, well, I think you figured me out. I had you on a seven-second delay, in such like case you said the bad words. Anyway, oh, that right. being what it is. <laughs> okay, yeah. being what it is here, uh, time is short. Let me jump right to what I've got. I've shared about half of this. <clears throat> Excuse me, and I'm fighting allergies today, so bear with the occasional cough. But uh, we're, I, I shared half of this with you, <clears throat> but more has come to light. And originally, I had two unnamed sources, one person in the FBI who I have known personally for decades, and it precedes their service in the FBI. So this is a personal resource. But obviously, I'm keeping the identity under wraps, and I'm not going to disclose any more about the nature of the relationship. Uh, the other person approached me about the same time that I was approached by a Fox News reporter, uh, and I'm not sure of the identity of the Fox News reporter, except they were able to validate what they do, and I think I figured out who they are. But in line with that, I had a State Department employee who was contacting me, and they're all three saying the same thing. And, of course, you know, Doug, it's okay when the New York Times and CNN and so forth, they use unnamed sources, uh, especially when their names as James Comey. But if we use an unnamed source, we get taken to the woodshed. But I have a named source that confirms most of what I've been told. Now, let's start, Doug, with what I shared with you earlier, but I hadn't made it terribly public because I was still working on the story. There is a purge going on with the deep state. Absolutely, unquestionably, it's going on in the FBI and in the State Department. And all three of these sources, particularly State and FBI, are adamant. Their supervisors are gone. Their supervisor supervisors are preparing to go. People have cleaned out their desks. They're just awaiting their termination, transfer, or retirement dates. But massive defections 
from elements within these uh, agencies. And then I was sharing this with Monica Wesolowski, a current State Department employee, no stranger to either one of us. And she said, oh, yes, absolutely, Dave. And she said, where I work, it's like a morgue. Hardly anyone is here. Nothing is getting done. My supervisor is leaving. Her supervisor is leaving. People have already left. Desks are cleaned out with employees just there. And I don't think our division is going to survive. And what she does, and this is really very, very important, that I think we get this out here in the open now in light of the present climate. She helps produce the graphics for State Department brochures. And they do brochures on child sex trafficking. Well, interestingly, Monica, on a 25-minute interview I did with her last night, which has now subsequently disappeared, uh, Monica revealed to me, and also she sent me confirming emails, that there is someone who's background is Saudi Arabia, she's a contract employee, she makes an ungodly amount of money, much more so than the rank and file of the State Department, and she's in charge of what goes into sex trafficking brochures, and she will never feature anything that shows child sex trafficking within the 50 states. But foreign, yeah, that's fine, they do that a lot. Also, with regard to criminality, they will never display an individual of color committing a crime. It's always now has to be a white person. Monica has challenged this. It's caused her difficulties. Uh, additionally, what Monica has told me was she has figured out and connected dots, and I'm preparing a release on this probably close to the weekend, that there are essentially three people in the State Department now that have control over all FOIA requests. So they are basically locking down the State Department from prying eyes, and FOIA is controlled by former Ambassador Larry Palmer and his two minions, and they are essentially keeping the press and people like you and I at bay. Uh, Larry Palmer is now an executive director of a division in the State Department. Monica's had contact with him. But Monica, because of her work associations, has been able to piece all this together. And I had an exquisite interview with her last night where she laid this out piece by piece by piece, and it's gone. And, guys, we've all been there. Steve Quayle told me about a month ago about something that disappeared off his site. Well, it was on my MP3 site. We had done a Skype interview at about uh, oh, 10.30 Eastern last night. And it was a 25-minute interview. I checked on it when it was done. It was in the MP3 shortcut file. I transferred it to a USB. My son uploads it to YouTube. And then we publish on the website. That's our process. Well, it's no longer on the MP3 shortcut file. It's gone. Uh, and yet I had the recording sign on the whole time we were interviewing. This is the first thing I check for when I do a Skype interview. So someone didn't want that information out. Uh, and so, Doug, that's basically where I'm coming from right now. And this is, um, uh, I think, stunning information that the deep state is under great attack, but they are locking arms and they're controlling the flow of information right now coming out of state. I don't know of anything that's paralleling this in the FBI, except that there are mass defections in the FBI that are, from what my source tells me, deep state-related. Obama, 
and Clinton loyalists. So that's that's what I've got. All right. With respect to the the child sex trafficking in the State Department, basically the bottom line, what you're telling us is uh, you're confirming that the State Department is not um, they are withholding information essentially from the public about the sex trafficking, child sex trafficking in particular. At the re- would this be at the request of the of, of the uh, um, I mean, it's, it, it, Tillerson's not requesting this, right? No, it's not Tillerson. In fact, let me just share this with you. Monica has been in contact with uh, one of Tillerson's staff members, and they have been discussing these points. So Where that's the, at today, I don't know. Monica and I are going to have a conversation later this evening, and I'll find out if she's had further uh, conversations with Tillerson's people. Uh, all right, and and, and the, the other part of this as well is that there's a, a tremendous absence from state. Uh, Foggy Bottom is is kind of a, a a hollow place to work right now. Um, by design, though, right? This is by design. The Obama holdouts, the Clinton holdouts, still are are there, but they're not necessarily there. Things are the works are gummed up. I guess is what you're saying. Yeah, let me give you an example of what, what we're talking about here. Uh, I interviewed Monica on the 8th of June, and that interview is published up on the Common Sense Show as well as our YouTube channel. And in specifics, what had happened was an ongoing saga where she was being harassed for displaying the photo of Donald Trump, the sitting president. And they accused her of violating the Hatch Act. And former Ambassador Larry Palmer sicked his watchdogs on Monica, and they were going to fire her. She employed the services of a union that represents government employees, and they had a meeting with State Department's uh, Health and Human Services Department, and they were basically told, if you keep pursuing this, you are going to get sued. So they backed off the Hatch Act allegation. Meanwhile, what's going on in Monica's division was there are Obama and Clinton photos everywhere, and that's okay. Sitting president, no. Former president and disgraced presidential candidate can have her their pictures displayed. And in case people don't know, the Hatch Act means you're using your government position to further a political agenda. And Which is ridiculous on its face in this it, case. Yeah, because well, yeah, Trump is now the president. It's appropriate to have his photo. And by the way, in her division, they don't have the requisite picture of Tillerson or the requisite picture of Trump that's up there. Now, in terms of the directions, who's giving directions to her division? Uh, we're both making the assumption it's Larry Palmer is making the direction to the employee who's in charge of what goes on these brochures and the one I just referenced with a Middle Eastern background who's paid very large sums of money. Now, this uh, I want to make one point clear because based on your question, I'm not sure I made this clear. When they make brochures for the State Department, they're largely informational, they're graphic, and they're put out to all different entities and they're trying to influence public opinion. And the reason that they're not putting any child sex trafficking references to within the United States, Monica and I have both concluded that it's a cover-up. 
child sex trafficking doesn't go on in the United States. Therefore, the State Department won't permit it in their brochures. Now, if this were Somalia or Brazil or even Mexico, they would allow it to go into their brochures, but not if it's United States. This is a PSYOPs operation. Okay. And I was trying to think through, like, a devil's advocate position, uh, the intended audience, perhaps. It wouldn't be the, the uh, reported sex trafficking, child sex trafficking here in the U.S. It wouldn't be appropriate for the intended audience or wouldn't be consistent with the intended end user of that of those brochures. However, that can't be the only one. You've got, I'm, I'm certain you'd have to have multiple um the variations of the same, uh, I'll say brochure, but multiple variations, but it lacks, all, all of them uh, lack any reference to sex trafficking inclu- that includes the United States, is what you're saying, yes. ultimately. But okay. not sex trafficking outside our boundaries. And see, I think okay. that's a diversion. Away from, I, I look at this as a diversion away from Pedogate. I think there's no question that this is a PSYOPs operation. And then there's a racist component to follow up on that revelation again. Monica has had a fit because of the fact that she's made the comment to this person, are white people the only people that commit crimes in the world? Because that's what's coming out on State Department brochures that she's seeing, and not any people of color. And it's promoting racism. It's kind of like this news item yesterday that I reported on where some professor came out and said white marble is representative art-wise of white supremacy. It's this kind of lunacy right now where the the loony left is reaching for anything they can to make anything into a racist issue they can. They look at wallpaper and find racism. No, it's so, I mean, it's yeah. There's there's uh, people have lost their collective minds when it comes to this from ice cream to the color of someone's shirt for crying out loud people need to get a grip i get that um all right what about the, let me, let me the, give you a couple other revelations about monica though okay because monica was harassed when they were going through the uh, using her using the union to get uh, larry palmer and the state department off her backside about uh the violation of the hatch act and we i published pictures of this she was harassed by a, a one continual car always following her. They actually, the car actually chased her through a parking garage. There were witnesses. The Fairfax, Virginia police were involved. They said, we can't protect you. Don't go home. The plates were government plates, federal government plates. She's been harassed several times since then. I've published a lot of this. But in the newest, uh, she's been poisoned twice and has had to go to the emergency room two different times. Her cat was poisoned to death. Uh, and the, the harassment of her and what she's going through, she's not spending much time in her apartment now because things are disappearing. Obviously, people are getting there and, and fooling with her food, her drink, and killing her animals. So she's now staying with friends, and she's planning more of a permanent move. So the harassment of the State Department employee has not stopped. And I'm going to submit right here on your show that this is extended to me, because when I make a recording with someone, and I play the recording back to verify its its sound quality and so forth, and before I can get it into production and it just disappears, that's impossible. I had a sound file, and it was also on my Skype file, but someone managed to gain access to my computer and take that interview away. 
And there was no backup. You had no no physical backup elsewhere that you could have used. I mean, well, I, it was the next step would have been to put it on a USB, and then then we process it from the USB. But I validated right. the fact that it was stored correctly in two different places. That's my backup. All right. Right. And so I go in and I and I, and I'll tell you we have done an exhaustive search. It is not there. This is not the first time this has happened to me, but it's been a couple of years. Uh, like, I, like I said, it's, it's interesting and almost coincidental. The last phone conversation I had with Steve Quayle, he complained about something similar happening to him. So yeah, we, uh, we, we think we, we think we're secure on our computers. We're really not. Oh, oh heck no. I, 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 Believe me, we're not secure anywhere, and I've seen this happen. We we have we have redundancy built in our systems here, uh, for that very reason. And of course, any interview that we do is, is stored off-site, uh, away from the uh, uh, network. It's you know it's off-network. So, but your the interview was was accessible to networks, uh, your network, your home network, or, or whatever network you're you're you were using. So it was. Uh, Accessible that way, I suppose, is what you're saying. Right. Two ways. I have I have an MP3 file that my recorder automatically stores it in, and then I all that I physically save it to another file, a digital file that I use for the upload. But, but, but they're both both accessible to to a network of some kind that we're uh, that, yes. that the intrusion. Okay, which okay, which by the way, we've had files erased in that fashion as well. Which uh, so so all of our files of of any degree of sensitivity. What we do is we have uh, a backup and a backup of a backup, both disconnected from the network. And it's a shame when you have to do something like that at this point. But but yeah, you're right. Um, many things that we're seeing, Dave, and I know that you're, and we, and we are all seeing this. Where it, it doesn't really matter how important or how, maybe that's the wrong word. It doesn't matter. It doesn't seem to matter how high up in the food chain one might be. It's all. It seems like it's based on the subject matter, and perhaps found by way of uh, uh, some audio. Identification. What do you think? Keyword. I think keyword. it's keyword search based. I don't think it's yeah. NSA related. Um, that's my best guess. But <clears throat> with regard to Monica and my interview with her, <clears throat> I mean, Palmer's minions are just morons. They don't think that what I get in tonight, that I can't call Monica and we'll just redo the interview. And we, and this time I'll put it on a USB the moment we're done. So they won't be able to tamper with it uh, in that in that in that same manner. So we're going to do this interview. It's going to get published. In fact, actually, I'll ask better questions because Monica sent me two emails that I printed out that detail a lot of what I'm telling you. And she said email exchanges that have allowed her to connect these dots. Doug, here's the long and short. This is the takeaway I want the audience to, to go with here. Number one, I've been very impatient with Donald Trump because it seems like he was inactive and gets going against the deep state, particularly James Comey, and he is not. He is going about his business, and they are firing people in segments and divisions and office organizations, and these people are either being reassigned, they're being outright terminated for cause, or they are early retiring. Uh, so there's a whole plethora, but that's FBI. Uh, the State Department, I could speak specifically to Monica's revelation. Her entire division has been gutted. She said, it's her exact words in the interview, it's like a morgue 
no one's here. Now, she said, I'm extremely fearful for my safety. She said, but the number of people that could come after me have been greatly reduced. And no one talks to her. She's a pariah. In her division, in her division, she said they are all Obamanites, every one of them. She doesn't have one ally that supports Trump, not one. Well, Isn't that amazing? That, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it is amazing when you think about it and how much, uh, how divided we are as a country, but how divided even the institutions of government are right now. That's that's pretty sad, Dave. It really is, man. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't see Doug, and here's my biggest takeaway: this country is hopelessly divided. And I'm the eternal optimist, and I would like to think that you know we can restore this. And short of God working a miracle through mass prayer. We are not going to heal these rifts, and these rifts are going to grow wider and wider until we have extreme civil discord like we saw today at that park with the congressional baseball game. And then we're going to see more of these and more of these. I think we're headed down the road of civil war. Yeah, I think we're already there for, in a large part, my friend. Well, all right. Ideologically, you're correct. I would agree with you. You're absolutely correct. And, you know, let me make a prediction before you leave. I believe that today's incident, even though uh, in contrast to previous incidents, it, it was not that bad. Okay, of course it was horrible, but relative to others. But I believe that today, what happened today, will be a catalyst to, for uh, gun law changes. I really believe that. I, I don't know why. I've got nothing to back that up except my gut feeling. But I think that this is going to be used to uh, make some changes to the gun laws. That's my personal opinion. Dave Hodges. Sandy Hook and doing it better. Thanks for having me on, Doug. Yeah, hey, uh, your um, show dot com. Your interview with Monica. You're going to do it again, and it'll be up when. Um, uh, whenever I, she and I have time to sit down and do it. If she can do it late okay. tonight. It'll be up in the morning. All right, we're going to be looking for that, and I can't wait for that. Dave, as always, you're a patriot. You're, you're. Thank you for putting up the fight. You're, you're fighting. God bless you, my friend. Thanks, Doug. See you, Joe. All right. Bye, Dave. The Common Sense Show dot com. Dave Hodges, great guy, man. Interesting stuff. Yeah, it, really, it is. Um, wow. You know, think about that. The State Department. What's taking place in the State Department? Remember, right back with Peter Ch- uh, Choka. Choka. Sorry about that. Yeah, he, uh, uh, Peter is the author from the American Thinker, and he's been writing pieces all this week that we've been putting up on Hagman Report. Dot com. The latest was He's a the latest guy, cable ratings man. are not good tidings for Fox News, and that's up on HagmanReport.com, as well as the American Thinker. He's going to be with us for the next segment. We're going to cover some of today's events and uh, other topics as Can't we wait. move forward. We'll be right back. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. 
T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of End Times Fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Wink Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stain by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood. Here in beautiful Northwest Pennsylvania, I want to welcome our good friend Peter Chauka. Um, I always have a tendency to, to really mispronounce that his last name. It's it's not that hard, uh, as we do uh, as we do frequently here mispronounce uh, last names. But having said that, um, I, I want to mention this. Uh, he's a man I, I've gotten to know, and I really respect his work. Um, I've had the opportunity, as has my son Joe, to speak with him off air. And the, he's a true journalist. He is a true researcher. He is a guy that, that will take a subject and will dig deep and get to the bottom of, get to the root, the epicenter of the, of whatever subject he is, is talking about. And it's with great pleasure I want to welcome back to the, to the program, Peter Chauka. Peter, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Well, thank you, Doug. It's great to be with you and Joe again, and I hope we're coming through okay on Skype. You are. Yeah, sounds okay. good. Yeah. We're on Hi-Fi today, unlike last week when I was on a landline. We're slowly moving up to video Skype, but uh, when you reach a certain age, 
you have to take that one step at a time to go video. You know, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm I uh, yeah, I've got my senior moments more and more coming through, and uh, and I and with electronics, just forget about it. Uh, I, I'm I'm not there with electronics, and, and I really don't have that that desire to be there. But but all all things said, uh, my goodness, what a news day today. Uh, we start out this morning with a uh, shooting, um, and, and American Thinker contrasted. Thomas Lifson, the editor of American Thinker, had contrasted the coverage of today's shooting, folks, uh, against that of Representative Gabby Gifford's shooting in January of 2011. It's up on American Thinker, and uh, it's it's an amazing. The events of today are amazing. And of course, last night we saw what happened in London with that building, the uh, the high rise. What a, what a tragedy that was! But where, Peter? Where do you want to start? And, and you've got, by the way, folks. Uh, Peter has, has an amazing number of columns about what is taking place behind the scenes at Fox News. And if you have it, I would say this: go to American Thinker, and we, we've linked on, uh, and I've spread it on our social networking feed. Your columns, Peter. You've done an amazing job of dissecting the censorship, the takedown of the conservative media. But where do you want to start today, sir? Well, I guess by saying that I'm still in kind of a state of shock and extreme sadness at the news we've seen today. And I was actually up quite early this morning and uh, online when the news first broke widely about the shootings in Virginia involving the members or targeting the members of Congress. And I was also in touch with uh, Thomas Lipson, an American thinker at that time. We were texting back and forth initially about another issue. And then I started, uh, you're right, he mentioned early on uh, the contrast between how the media was reporting on this case today uh, in contrast to what they did with the case of the shooting of uh, Representative Gabby Giffords in January of 2011, which I also was following very closely that day in 2011. So I quickly went online and and found some uh, archival stories from right at that period, which uh, I sent to Thomas, and he was able to use that as part of one of his blog reports. But it, it was doubly eerie, sort of connecting with news as it evolved today, and then recollecting the uh, news from 2011. And of course, just briefly to say the contrast was that uh, initially after the reports in 2011 of the Gifford shooting, the mainstream media and much of the political establishment jumped on that story literally within minutes of the shooting to try to blame the Tea Party, conservatives, talk radio, and Sarah Palin in particular, all of which was absolutely ludicrous later shown to be, and in fact the articles that I uh, gave to Thomas suggested that or confirmed that. But today I happen to be uh, watching very closely as the coverage evolved, and I know Joe was too, because I was exchanging some emails with Joe, and then we had our phone conversation a bit later, and like Joe, I found that, uh, of course, the first thing you ask when something like this happens is, uh, the first thing you wonder and you want to know is, who and why? Who's the perpetrator and what is their motivation? Well, for some reason, the mainstream uh, TV media, the cable news channels and the broadcast channels, which are also on the story, 
were very, very slow to give us that information. Meanwhile, online, I think it was at least an hour before it popped up on the cable news channels, I had the uh, alleged shooter's name. Uh, I had his Facebook page on my screen. I had a number of articles uh, which were talking about him. And even the Washington Post confirmed his identity well before it was picked up by uh, the television news channels. Now, previously I had thought, or earlier today when it started breaking, I thought, well, you know, because I've been writing critically about the cable news channels and Fox News in particular, and I thought, well, this kind of day still uh, brings home the point that having a national television medium that we can turn to at a, a crisis moment is valuable, as it was in the 60s when I was alive uh, then and paying attention and we had the, the political assassinations and, and riots and other things and you could turn to your television and, and feel reassured that the story was being covered and you were, you were seeing it with millions of other people at the same time. But today I saw that again kind of go out the window as we had to wait until for some reason I still don't understand Fox News and CNN were just waiting, waiting, waiting to give us, give us this information now I was uh, happy or not happy but I, I, I was eventually we saw that uh, the channels did delve into and report the background of the shooter as being a, an extreme left wing individual and a Bernie Sanders supporter and I, I think part of that was actually attributable to Sanders himself, Senator Sanders going to the Senate floor and getting ahead of the story by saying yes this man reportedly had volunteered for him but he Sanders uh, wanted nothing to do with this he uh, disowns any violence and as, as Bill O'Reilly might have said for that moment he was a stand up guy <laughs> but uh, I think that kind of put the story of this character's background that is the shooter into the public sphere and the, the cable channels finally went with it but it, it was very bizarre and upsetting and ultimately sad following all this because I've also had very closely in mind in recent days and I know you've talked about this on your program the absolutely sickening displays of violence illustrated by Kathy Griffin with her uh, severed Donald Trump head photograph. And then, of course, in New York City at Central Park, we've heard about the uh, performances of Shakespeare's classic yeah. Julius Caesar, but with uh, the characters in modern dress and Caesar apparently looking exactly like Donald Trump with a wife who looks like Mrs. Donald Trump violently killed in a bloody stabbing scene and instead of being questioned or or, or absolutely uh, dismissed this is being uh, uh, claimed to be a, a masterpiece by the likes of uh, Fareed Zakaria and reportedly the other night it got a standing ovation from the crowd after the death scene and this just boggles the mind even before what happened today but I think now we are reaping in many ways what we have sown not to say that uh, the Shakespeare play or Kathy Griffin uh, put the gun in this man's hand today I certainly wouldn't go that far but we have a climate now in which yes. this if I is, can... is legit well, and, and you bring up an important point here, because if I can ask this, who do you believe will ultimately own this shooting? And, and I, I don't like to use that phrase, but who, who will be the... Uh, it, it's a climate of hate. 
as we, as you had mentioned, Kathy Griffin with the with the uh, with the head with Donald Trump's head, the decapitation, and of course the Shakespearean play in the park, which is utterly uh, uh, transparent for what it is. But who will own, or who will? I don't know who who's going to be fingered, shall we say, for this well, particular you know, that, event. That's an excellent question, and I'd, I'd start out with a quote that I picked up an hour ago from. Charles Krauthammer, who's a medical doctor and a psychiatrist, when he was on Fox News, and he said, if we're going to have a standard on this, this is a direct quote, if we're going to have a standard on this, let's not have a double standard, end quote. By which he meant that many of the perpetrators of mass violence uh, in recent years, those who have come from the political left, are generally said to be, by the mainstream media and and many politicians they're said to be crazy or mentally ill or deranged you know it's kind of like what we see when there's a mass killing or mass shooting by someone uh, professing the Muslim faith and shouting Alu Akbar as he shoots and kills and you know that's of course described as gun violence or workplace violence whereas with the case of Dylan Roof in South Carolina that uh, young Caucasian man who viciously killed, I believe it was nine African-Americans at a church. I mean, a horrendous crime. And, uh, of course, he was held accountable. Uh, but although there was a lot of blame that seemed to be attached in the in the discussion after that, uh, hitting a very wide target of right-wingers, you know, the usual suspects. So I think Krauthammer was right. Let's not have a double standard, but I expect that we will in this case. We shall see the shooter is is dead, I'm certainly not sorry about that outcome, but uh, let's see what happens in the days ahead. But I, again, I think we're going to have our work cut out for us in trying to clarify this uh, really shocking situation. By the way, just this aside, uh, Fox News presented at 12.52 p.m. Eastern Time today a brief live phone interview with uh, former D.C. homicide detective Rod Wheeler. I, now, I saw that live, yeah. Yeah, wasn't that a nice surprise? Because he figured in the Seth Rich case discussion of about three weeks ago, and he disappeared after that, after Fox News retracted uh, the story that was based on his investigation there. But uh, apparently he's been given perhaps a... Well, unless some producer made a mistake there, but I'm hoping that he'll be allowed back on Fox News, as Judge Napolitano was when Napolitano a few months ago took President Trump's side of it and said that his sources, Napolitano, said that yes, Trump had been wiretapped and for that he was exiled into some kind of uh, Fox News purgatory for a few weeks, but he's back now, so I hope the same can be uh, said of Rod Wheeler, because he's a person who I followed over the years and I have a lot of respect for his work, but um, hmm. now it's also interesting that the hate-filled Twitter rants we see, Drudge linked to this at Drudge Report, oh, yes. for a while you know, and again, no surprise there that the absolute hate that comes out of these leftists' uh, mouths it, it, or, or or internet accounts is just mind-boggling. Uh, do, 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 Peter, do you think that today's... I, I said in the last segment, I have a gut feeling, and I have nothing to back this up with, but I have a gut feeling that the incident today will do more to advance some sort of agenda whether it's anti-Second Amendment, anti-gun agenda than any other incident, even Sandy Hook or uh, Gabby Giffords. I, I just have this feeling, and maybe, I, mean, I don't know why, 
do you have any feelings like that, or do you have any senses sense about that? Yes, I agree with you, and I think feelings are important. I mean, we saw in the first press conference uh, Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe, certainly a questionable individual in his own right for his past actions. In any case, today uh, was using the immediate first press conference to pitch gun control, kind of construing this as uh, gun violence was responsible for this. And as Joe noted, he also, I believe, uh, was he the one who said that 93 million people a day yeah. in the yeah, United States? Yeah, he said States, that twice. Twice. I, I picked up on that, too, and I was waiting for him to finally correct himself. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, in, in a way, I was uh, pleased, limitedly, to see that members of Congress, politicians, appeared to come together in a unity push, including Nancy Pelosi, who went on at some length there, and while she was talking, I was thinking, uh, again, this is the best the Democrats have to offer for national leadership in the House. It's pretty pathetic. But there is this veneer of unity now, and it's said that members of Congress are going to be dining together, Republicans and Democrats. And, of course, we have the charity baseball game, which is supposedly going forward tomorrow night. So we'll have some lip service to this, but I really don't. I think the Pandora's box that's been opened uh, and I would I would attribute that to the eight-year regime of uh, Barack Hussein Obama, who I believe is responsible for a lot of this hate climate, uh, first and foremost. But I think you can't put that genie back into the bottle too easily. So it's anybody's guess uh, what and, and and what's going to happen from here on out. And we know for a fact, Doug and Joe, that the agenda of the left is to continue to curtail our Second Amendment rights. We're already tied up in knots with the Second Amendment in so many ways, and it can only get worse. And they will take advantage of that. They'll be fundraising on it. Democratic politicians will be fundraising on it. Just as they are moving forward on uh, single-payer health care, this is something that is rearing its ugly head again. And with all this other stuff that's been happening, not only today, and of course today is a big story that deserves to be on the front burner for today and perhaps the next few days, but in recent days with all the absolute nonsensical fake news stories we've been preoccupied with, we, I say, the mainstream media and the political uh, deep state, uh, these other things have been going on below the surface percolating there like single payer which are moving forward radically and actively and having studied uh, socialized medicine and single payer for about 25 years now and written about it widely in the past uh, I have to say without hyperbole that if we if and when we get single payer that is going to be a significant last nail in the coffin of our last freedom as, as Americans Already we have a healthcare system that is only partly free, and when you set out to use it, you can see that. Uh, for example, uh, well, just as one example, and it, one, it may be one that you're familiar with, Doug. If you have a loved one, or, or you, God forbid, or me, God forbid, has to have surgery or uh, for anything, and you need pain medication after that, you realize that the time frame where you can get that pain medication as prescribed by your physician is now very, very limited. In fact, they will tell you after a short span of time that instead of the uh, uh, prescription pain medication, which is now suddenly uh, non grata, disallowed by government edict, by the way, by Obamacare edict, 
you're going to have to just tough it out or take aspirin or Tylenol. It's absolutely ridiculous. Whereas 10 years ago, it's interesting to remember that the medical profession was was moving ahead with a new understanding of pain and, and citizens groups that were lobbying for this were saying, you know, we need to have our pain taken care of. So there were there were continuing education seminars on this for physicians and nurses. There were journal articles published on this that we have to give people pain medication so they're not in pain. That's been turned on its head now with this new meme, largely pushed by Democrat politicians, I must say, that they're, well, it is true, there's an opioid epidemic in this country, but it's not accountable to people who legitimately need these pharmaceuticals for pain control until they can control their pain. So that's a very direct example of how the federal government's increasing control of doctors, what they can do, the, the government sitting between the doctor or the surgeon and the patient is, is worsening uh, the situation for the patient. And it, it, Peter, it just, uh, I, I've, got, I've got to say this very quickly. I am an advocate if someone is in pain, if, they, if they've got a terminal condition, I just want to make this very clear. Um, I believe that they should get it. I am I am very upset and angered by uh, legitimate individuals, people who have had surgery, people who have cancer, whatever their needs are or whatever their, their condition is, to be made to suffer over some morons joyride on some opiates, okay? So I just want to make that perfectly clear, and I think you've done so much, uh, and I think you agree with me on that. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, there's okay. an analogy with what we see in uh, the attempts to control or limit the Second Amendment. You have some irresponsible person go out there and, and shoot someone, uh, crazy or not, whatever, and suddenly everyone who wants to uh, profess their Second Amendment rights is guilty and it has to be restricted. It's the same thing we see when the government's involved in medicine. And it has been involved closely and increasingly since the end of World War II. So really a doctor's hands are, are tied already and uh, single-payer is going to be the next uh, terrible thing we have to be aware of. And I hope at some point we can have an opportunity to really get into that. Because, you know, another thing I would like to talk about at some point is how single payer is is going to really restrict our medical freedom of choice as it involves natural therapeutics. I know you frequently have on uh, Ted Brewer to talk about uh, clinical options in staying healthy with primary prevention and with nutritional supplements and other natural uh, therapies. Well, that is it's already uh, under the gaze of the government, but that is going to be severely restricted, if not criminalized, if we get single, single payer. And I've done a tremendous amount of research on that question. And, and in fact, when I started doing it 20, 25 years ago, it seemed like this probably wouldn't happen. And if it did, it would be so far in the future, I wouldn't have to worry about it. And now it's moved to the front burner. That is the single payer madness. So anyone yeah. interested in their supplements and their vitamins and their diet, uh, you know, you've got to be aware of what's happening. And Peter, in California, they recently the the state senate passed a plan to establish the single payer health care system, but they have a problem. They don't know where they're going to get the four hundred billion dollars annually to pay for it. And under the single payer health care system, this would cover um, in their perfect world 
this would cover not only citizens and other legal residents, but also any undocumented immigrants with taxpayer-funded health care. And For pretty much any therapy that you want. You know, Joe, I was mm-hmm. reading about that this afternoon and, re- and refreshing my knowledge on that. And some of the proponents of this nutty California plan have said, yes, it will be free, but of course we will add at least a an additional 15% payroll tax to pay for it on top of Social Security. And if you're self-employed, what is the Social Security tax now, 15 16%? On top of the state income tax in California, which I believe is about 14 or 15%. So right off the top, you'll be paying 45% in taxes there before you even get to federal income tax and property tax and sales tax. So you'll be taxed at something close to like an 80% rate. It'll be as bad as Scandinavia. This is where it's going, and these lunatics think this is actually workable. It's insanity. Not only that, the uh, single-payer model eliminates any private insurance and puts the insurance uh, or the medical uh, regulations and everything right in the, the laps of the politicians and political decision-makers. Hillary Care and everything, Joe, right? I mean, mm-hmm. this yeah. is what they wanted right from well, day one. This is the end goal. Uh, this, was, this is the end goal to Obamacare, is the single-payer and right. it That's is, how um, Obamacare was designed to fail to create these problems so that the dumbed-down public would say, well, we tried the insurance model, that didn't work. We tried the Obamacare kind of mixed uh, government, private sector model, that didn't work. The only option left, which is what Bernie Sanders and the Democrats are pushing now and the crazies in California who are in power there, this one-party state. The only option left is single-payer, and it sounds good. They don't even call it socialized medicine. They call it single-payer, free health care for all. And right off the bat, you're going to have a significant percentage of people who say, it sounds good, let's do it. Well, yeah, you know, if you can, uh, in theory, it sounds good if you had, but it's just going to create a bigger tax burden, a bigger financial burden for any of us who are paying into the system. And one of the things, I mean, just to allow people to, under the under these plans, to uh, have sex changes, and uh, I mean, it's just crazy what they want to do, and covering undocumented uh, illegal immigrants, um, and and some of the left wing newspapers and online sites go on to, you know, cite Canada and other uh, nations' healthcare as you know great examples of how this works. And, and if you doesn't. do any research, it, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it doesn't work. Right. It I mean, doesn't you're work. waiting days and days in Canada just to you know get treatment for the flu. By the time you get to a doctor, you're either going to be dead by the flu or you know you're just going to be gone. Um, all you, just, all you, you have know, to do, example. all you have to do is read the uh, British newspaper press online, and sometimes it seems almost daily they will have reports, hair-raising reports of what the socialized medical care system in Britain is like, the National Health Service, it's called. It's been in effect there since 1948. Also, in the scientific and medical journals, there are obscure studies and and reports here and there which document the far worse health conditions in these countries that have socialized medical care, whether it's Cuba, Venezuela, or the so-called advanced countries like uh, Britain and Canada. I mean, how many people from Britain and Canada come to this country when they need surgery or cancer care? I mean, even if you believe in conventional cancer therapy like chemotherapy, your chance of uh, that working for you is statistically significantly worse 
if you live in the United Kingdom than if you do in the United States. And they have modern medical care over there. It's just that it can't be utilized in the appropriate time frame as it is here in terms of the surgery or other interventions which may presumably or possibly in some cases increase your longevity, uh, probably not cure you, but the outcomes are much worse in, in these socialized medicine countries. And let you, yet you will hear primarily the Democrat politicians say again and again the big lie that we are the only Western country that doesn't have health care as a right, guaranteed free medical care for all. And I say thank God we are not because it works better when you don't go down that road. But uh, again, that seems to be the road we're going down. Peter Chauka, uh, I, want, I just want to tell you, I, I admire your writing. I admire your research. The depth of and quality of your work product is unmatched, in my view. Uh, articles at AmericanThinker.com. Thank you so much for joining us for this segment, your insight into the shooting, as well as the uh, health care issue. My goodness. We're going to have you back again and again. People love you. They, they, in fact, I've gotten so many emails uh, since your last appearance. So thank you for gra- gracing us with your appearance tonight, and we're going to be talking soon again. Thank you so much, Doug and Joe. I appreciate it. I appreciate your uh, generous comments, and I'll look forward to our next visit. Indeed. All right. Folks, we're going to be right back. Network break. Stay right where you're at. Greenovative. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. But what Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right? You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof. And it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, 6 AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, and that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke and fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. Because it's so efficient, it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire. So don't rely on gas or fuel stoves. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It's going to make bad times much better. Folks, MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com. Need I say more? You should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an M.O.K. 
For investors, timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified, accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, Precious Timber... edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening, for tuning in, for joining us, for being part of our family of listeners and supporters. Thanks so much for your prayers and your word of mouth means a lot to us. We have a very special guest with us, a man who's um, could be heard on the Republican Broadcasting Republic Broadcasting Network. <coughs> Excuse me, and uh, who's been on the air. Longer than uh, than I have, obviously. Uh, he's 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 a legend, I believe, in the broadcasting industry. But he's a, uh, a event, just a fantastic uh, investigator, investigative re- researcher, uh, investigative reporter, citizen journalist, investigator, official investigator. That is, I-, I could sing his praises, but I just heard something. I just heard something. He is going to be a recipient of the Prague. Peace Prize. John Moore from the John Moore Show. John Moore, thank you so much for joining us. John. Thank you, Doug. Good to be here. Appreciate it. What's this I hear? What's this I hear? About you. Well, it came out of the blue. I was contacted. It's, it's been between two and three months ago by uh, Alexandra Berg. She's the uh, person putting this together. It's the second or third year of these prizes, and uh, it hit me out of the blue. I had no idea it was coming. So I'm being awarded the Prague Peace Prize uh, the weekend of the 21st and 22nd, I think it is, of July, uh, mainly based on my work that's on my DVD, Global Warming, What the Government Isn't Telling You, and, of course, my continuing work that I uh, put out on my radio show Monday through Friday. It's amazing. Well, well, congratulations, congratulations, sir. Uh, So you're going to be going to the Czech Republic mid-July to receive the Prague Peace Prize based on your work in the DVD product that you have uh, concerning global warming, global climate change, uh, essentially, is what you're saying. The deception put out by the government to cover up what's really going on. Exactly. Wow, that that, that is absolutely tremendous. And congratulations, by the way. Thanks, sir. I I cannot think of a a more, uh, 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 yeah, wow. Yeah, it just blew me away right before your time. Uh, John says, oh, by the way. You know, so I, I think it's it's pretty cool. Well, John, for new listeners, we've got many. Introduce yourself to our new listeners, if you don't mind, where they can hear you, and uh, just introduce yourself. Take them up. Okay. Well, uh, starting from the beginning, as I sometimes say, U.S. military intelligence school took my very mature 19-year-old pile of mush brain 
and made it into something useful. They made it into a, a research tool. I became an intelligence analyst at age 19. Got off the plane in Vietnam 15 months after I graduated from high school. And um, that's where I grew up. I, as I sometimes say, Doug, I went there a boy, I came back a man. Uh, spent another year and a half in the Army. I was in psychological warfare when I was in Vietnam and wrapped up my tour of, active tour of duty with the U.S. Army Special Forces at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Left the Army, got my degree as a paralegal, and within six months of, of that designation, I, I started my training as a private investigator. That was the spring of 1973. Investigated my, I was shortly hired after that, about three months into my training, by the state of Missouri to become a homicide detective and worked my first double homicide uh, in the fall of 1973. Uh, so that's how I spent most of my adult life, Doug, is doing uh, criminal investigations, civil investigations, trial preparation, more murders than I care to think about, and um, still doing them. I was talking to a young uh, young attorney today. He's young enough to be my son about a couple of murders and how he wants to bring me in on a criminal case that he's got. I became a radio talk show host in uh, 1995, uh, part-time, and uh, full-time now these last... Uh, I guess almost 10 years uh, full-time with Republic Broadcasting. My show is broadcast Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Central Time on Republic Broadcasting, and all the archives and the live shows can be listened to from my website at thelibertyman.com. Good job. And, uh, yeah, thanks for that recap. Many new listeners, and uh, I, I didn't want to leave anything out. I'll just add this. Um your investigative work again is is a very well respected. You had the opportunity to second share in a number of cases uh, in your capacity. Well, yeah, well, I wear both hats. You see, right. being a paralegal, I know the rules of evidence and I know court procedures. So, yeah, I've, I've served as second chair in some very serious matters. And and I, I like to remind people about that because to me that that there, there's no higher distinction for a non-attorney. But but for an investigator, for paralegal and wearing both hats, than to than the second chair in, in certain cases. And I've got a uh, since you're doing consultations, I do have a, um, and I'm being serious about this. I've got a uh, a case that uh, unsolved homicide. I, I would like your um, consult on. So we'll have to talk off oh, air. We can, oh, we can talk off air about that, obviously. Yeah, I, of course, of course. But but you talk about PIs, folks. John was a PI uh, when. Uh, of course, I was I was a PI back in the early '80s. Uh, John in the early '70s. That's when private investigators actually used shoe leather as opposed to the technology. Oh yes, you know, <laughs> we we could swap stories all day. I'm sure. <laughs> I had an account with TransUnion back then. <laughs> uh, this this is this is fun. People appreciate this. Uh, in 1973, Doug, I could walk into the TransUnion where I had my account. I could get anybody's, and I mean anybody's, complete credit report. Yep. Yep. Anybody's. Um, Anywhere in the country. Yep. <laughs> and and, and that, that's, yeah. <laughs> Let that sink in, folks, 1973, okay? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and we remember the index code we had the DMV, the end, well, never mind. I, <laughs> anyway, yeah, the, the cold directories and going to the library and anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and hunting through three by five cards in the courthouse for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So you've got my respect for all of the uh, dues that you paid. Well, well, John, we were thinking about you today as events unfolded in D.C. and, of course, 
over the last, I mean, since we last spoke, uh, the entire landscape of America and really of the world has changed. Um, you really have your finger on the pulse of things via your radio show. Of course, uh, John Moore is our guest. LibertyMan.com is his website. Uh, but John, where do you want to start? Because there, there's so, so many important things that we really need to talk about. But why, why don't you, why don't you Okay, well, the, the hot news today, obviously, is the shooting, uh, in Arlington, Virginia. Um, I was telling my listeners this morning that if they don't already, the Capitol Police should have the same training equipment and weapons that the Secret Service does. Uh, and this may be a wake-up call for congressmen who think they're living in a safe and secure bubble that they need guns, too, because there's been quite a few comments among the uh, congressmen who are on the scene that they would either be seriously injured or dead if it wasn't for the two co- uh, Capitol Police who happened to be there because the uh, House Majority Whip was there. If it hadn't been for the House Majority Whip and his two security officers, uh, the loss of life would have been tremendous. Um, but uh, they were there. They, they, uh, they, they, they're kicking, their training kicked in. And they attacked the attacker and brought him down, uh, despite being injured themselves. Uh, so I, I commend those two officers, one man, one woman, for doing an excellent job of saving innocent life. And uh, I would like to see uh, Washington, D.C., uh, allow people to carry concealed. That needs to happen. It really, really needs to happen. Now, Virginia has concealed carry, of course. Uh, all 50 states do. But uh, I'm not sure what it takes to even carry a concealed weapon in Washington D.C. Do you have any idea, Doug? I, I not in the in D.C. I think it's pretty difficult for a, a concealed weapon uh, permit. I, That's I don't my know. Belief, yeah. yeah, I I really don't know. Um, but, but what a difference it would have been had the um, the Capitol Police or had that security detail not been there. Oh, it would have been uh, a huge tragedy. Um, oh. Yeah, Rand Paul. No, Senator Rand Paul was there. I mean, my God, uh, the the carnage would have been tremendous. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy. Yeah, Rand Paul actually said that if it wasn't for the Capitol Police, it would have been a massacre. Uh, it would have been. And no yeah, and I wonder. I know that the shooter did not make it onto the field, and he started shooting from behind the fence on the third base side. Side, and if he wasn't met, if if he didn't, if he wasn't met by the Capitol Police in there. Uh, return fire. I wonder, you know, would he obviously, without that resistance, he would have came on the field and and mowed everybody down. Of course he would have. Now, I understand he also was a regular visitor uh, to that YMCA right there on the near the premises. Uh, yes. So he he had knowledge about what was taking place there, uh, and that it would be a a um, easy target. So he thought easy targets. He, I don't know if the Capitol Police were playing clothes or if they were in uniform. They were probably playing clothes. Um, but it's certainly very fortunate they were there. Indeed. Uh, yes. What do you What do you think, John? Uh, what do you think will be the result of this shooting? I, I, you hear on the news. We, we've been listening to the the various networks all day long. What, your thoughts as to will Will this change anything? I, I guess is my question to you in your estimation. I'd say there's a greater chance with this. Uh, matter than with many others because uh, these men now know that they don't live in a safe and secure bubble, that they're just as vulnerable as, us, as the rest of us barefoot peasants, as I refer to myself, uh, <laughs> or barefoot hillbillies, as I refer to myself. But uh, they are just as vulnerable. They're just human beings. 
and they don't live in a safe and secure bubble. So if anything would motivate these men to uh, have, for example, a nationwide concealed carry permit, which we really do desperately need, this would be the kind of thing to motivate them to get that done. Yeah, I, I totally agree. The reciprocity needs to uh, – we need to have a state and district reciprocity with respect to concealed uh, carry. I, I believe that um, the civility, by the way, John, that, that we've been seeing or lack thereof, um, our last guest, Peter Chauka, we had asked, I had asked, who do you think will own this? You know, everyone, it seems like there's always this, this ownership of, of an event like this. Um, and then you combine the lack of civility we've been seeing with respect to the politics and the politicians and the left and the right. Um, well, that brings up the, the identity of the, of the shooter. He was a volunteer for the Bernie Sanders campaign. And uh, the, the rhetoric has been off the charts crazy. If you, and I don't know the uh, psychological makeup of this gentleman, but uh, I sometimes refer to people having what I call, uh, Doug, a loose grip on reality. And if you take somebody who already has a loose grip on reality, may already be taking psychotropic drugs, then the off-the-charts crazy rhetoric might just be all it takes to push them over the edge. And that, that may very well be what we saw today. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, you look at this man's background, what, 66 years old, Sanders supporter. Owned a home inspection business. Right, which was out of business, basically, mm-hmm. or unlicensed. Since the election. Uh, in, in Virginia for, what, five weeks? And I, and I know, John, uh, you always look at the motive, means, and opportunity. I, I just wondered, out of all the potential targets, this particular target, I mean, I would not even know. I don't think the baseball practice would be going on. It just it, it wouldn't occur to me. I, I don't know. The, the choice of targets was it was just I found rather interesting. I suppose. Well, what was interesting about that is well, it was, sorry to jump in here, John, but one thing we didn't elegant. mention. What, what? Go ahead, John. It was elegant. Uh, it, well, you know, he he was not. Uh, he was from he. Near, he lived nearby. He was at that YMCA all the time, and he knew those guys uh, practiced there. So he had knowledge that his intended targets would be there, uh, and he, he took advantage of that. Uh, trying to do anything violent on Capitol Hill is very, very difficult. The security is excellent. But a YMCA in Arlington, Virginia, hey, go for it. Uh, he, he may or may not have known about the security officers being there, but he... Uh, Took the chance, and he um, he achieved his goal of attacking what he considered his enemy, the conservative Republicans. And as someone told me this morning, these weren't rhinos; these were genuine, bona fide conservative republic Republicans, not Republicans pretending to be conservative. What we call rhinos, which is an acronym for Republican in name only. These were the, these guys were the real deal that he that he was attacking. And one thing I heard uh, a number of congressmen who were there right before the shooting talk about was the fact that he apparently asked uh, people who were there if the if they were Democrats or Republicans who were that's right practicing in the field and that's then exactly. walked away and ten minutes later came back shooting. Um, that's exactly what he did. Yep. And I think that lends uh, credibility to the argument that he was, you know, radicalized by the media. And and normally I wouldn't. We saw, uh, you know 
some violence that has been blamed on you know, Rush Limbaugh and, and the right wing talk shows as they as they're called. And I never really put too much stock into that. But you know, the reason this is different is because this is what the media has been doing with Trump is manufacturing facts or false evidence against him and then reporting that in the news as though it's truth. These people right. really believe that Trump is a racist, that he is, uh, you know, all these terrible things, uh, you know, a violent, hateful man, and uh, right. they believe it. And then, as you said, it also takes us a little instability in the wrong day, even, and this is the result that happens. Well, I'll, I'll be interested to see the toxicology report, or if he was taking psychotropic drugs. There's what? What is it, Doug? Uh, about 20% of American adults take psychotropics. One in uh, five. One in five. Yeah, that's 20%. Uh, I got a quote here from the governor of Virginia today. Quote: uh, The governor McAuliffe, a Democrat, the governor of Virginia. Uh, we have too many guns on the streets. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. It didn't take him long. That was this morning. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was interesting. One of the CNN, or I believe this was on CNN, uh, I spoke about it earlier, uh, reporter, there's a female reporter asking, I think it was a member of Congress, do you think this was deliberate? And the response was, well, sure as hell wasn't an accident. Um, <laughs> uh, which I thought was the line of the day. You know, I, that had to be well. <laughs> Uh, they 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 hire these youngsters out of J school and they give them these jobs, um, and they're doing the best they can with their limited ability. There, Doug. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, well, John, um, what bothers me right now is is the environment that we find ourselves. You've got this uh, uh, in in New York City and the, the Shakespearean play. Uh, taking place. You've got Kathy Griffin with the decapitated, uh, Donald Trump head. You've got, uh, you go back earlier to the Hamilton play, the disrespect shown to our vice president. You've got, and I said this yesterday, they're not just attempting to kill the president, whether metaphorically or not. They're attempting to, to kill and destroy the presidency of the United States. And they are. I, and I've never seen anything like this before in my life. Nothing even close. Nothing right. even close. Right. So, um, they're succeeding to me. I mean, to me, I, I think that they're, they're succeeding. What are your thoughts on, on how Donald Trump is, is being handled with respect to the special, uh, not prosecutor, but special, uh, counsel and the investigation? Well, uh, we, we could say well, we're we're well into the second year. Now Donald Trump announced his presidency around January 2016, I believe, maybe earlier. But uh, well into the second year of the following, uh, Donald Trump playing the media like a, a cheap violin. Uh, it, the media they haven't got it yet. The media hasn't figured out that every time. Donald Trump says he has done something or will do something. He does, in fact, has has done it or will do it, and they keep they keep falling for the same bait. Donald, Donald Trump's playing these people. They keep falling for the same bait where they think they're going to make Donald Trump look like a fool, and then he makes them look like a fool over and over and over again. And I, I love it because the uh, he's the first uh, politician. He's not a politician, actually. He's the first statesman, I would call him, at that level, who is not afraid of the media. All, the rest of these people, these uh, running for president, 
at, at that level, they cower before the media. Donald Trump doesn't cower before anybody. He takes them on head on. He bypasses them with his tweets. He's giving press credentials to Alex Jones and, and others and getting ready to deny press credentials to people like the New York Times. Uh, so, uh, it's wonderful. And I love he it. will, I love it. Yeah, I, I love it too, Doug. And, and, uh, it's just refreshing to see somebody who, who is not fearful of the mass media, uh, who goes around them with his tweets. Um, uh, I was a bit concerned about these tweets for quite a while, but the more I see what he's doing, the more I understand the reason behind it, because he's bypassing the media. He's having and direct contact with the entire country anytime he wants without having to have a press conference. Uh, this is unprecedented. Even, Obama, even Hussein Obama didn't do this. That's true. Uh, That's true. It is. And... Um, I would love to see him move forward to uh, look into other things. And what's happening behind the scenes, you know, your average work day for the president is probably 8 to 10 hours. That's 8 to 10 hours of dismantling Hussein Obama's eight years every day of the week. Uh, he's, he, you know, getting rid of people he appointed, uh, dismantling uh, executive orders that he ordered, uh, cleaning house and these various ex- executive branch uh uh, offices that, that need to be cleaned out. Uh, there's a lot to it. There's over a thousand appointees of Obama that need to be cleaned out and the people they appointed. Now think about this, Doug. We know there's been about oh, a dozen or 15 or 16 uh, Muslims appointed at very high levels in various agencies, yep. high enough that they also could appoint other Muslims. We, you know, I don't know, and there, hopefully there's somebody that does, how many Muslims were appointed uh, under the Obama administration that need to be found out and, quite frankly, given their pink slips? That needs to happen. We cannot trust these people. Their religion gives them a free pass to lie, to accomplish their goals, and their goals are not in the best interest of Western civilization. The Muslims need to go. Absolutely, they do. Amen. And uh, we've been watching, we've been following. the. And, John, I'm not sure... Um, how much you're aware of the Awan brothers, the uh, the congressional, the break-ins of the congressional staff computers back yeah. earlier this year? I'm aware of it. Yes. Okay, you know, it seems to me that that we've got this, um, we we've got this communist and Islamic infiltration deeply embedded within the within the American government and you know um, and I know I've listened to you enough to know that you're you're right on the money I mean you're good with the with the historical component after World War two how the communists infiltrated our State Department our government and now it's a communist slash Islamic component um, th- th- that as well as and, and I'd like your comments as well on Obama's presence in Washington, his establishment of American Oversight uh, 501c3, c4, that does nothing but exists for no other reason than to go after President Trump filing ethics charges and char- legal charges and challenges, um, you know, uh, to, to gum up the works, this by Obama. And as you pointed out, the, the Muslim component too. So you've got all of this working against Donald Trump. Uh, I mean, what the heck? I've, I've never seen anything like this, and I know you're... No, there's no precedent. Now, uh, President uh, Hussein Obama uh, 
if he was the CEO of a Fortune 500 company and played golf as much as he played golf, the board of directors would have fired him in a heartbeat. You can't, you can't be CEO of the United States as president or of a Fortune 500 company and play that much golf. The person running the country when Hussein Obama was president was a communist Muslim, Valerie Jarrett. And now she's moved in. She has her own living quarters. And that, uh, what is that? What's the square feet of that house uh, Obama bought? 20,000 square feet? Yeah, it's, huge. it's just about 2,000 square feet more than mine. <laughs> so. <laughs> it's, it's massive. And, and she's there, uh, with, she has 8 by 10 glossy photos of, uh, uh, Muhammad and, uh, Mao Zedong over her bed. Uh, and, uh, she's a communist Muslim. And it was revealed publicly what she said in her college yearbook about incrementally taking over the United States using our our own laws against us for Islam to take over the United States. I'm paraphrasing. But she's back to her, her old uh, tricks, uh, doing everything she can to use George Soros money and other sources of funding to undermine not only the presidency, but the, the country itself. And all many of the agendas... Uh, work together to lower the the uh, moral standards of our country, make uh, the insane become normal. Uh, we have uh, teenage girls and their parents hiring attorneys so the teenage girls can walk into the high school boys' locker room, take off her clothes, take a shower with the boys, dry off with the boys, and put her clothes back on, and then leave the boys' locker room. Are, are there adults in charge, Doug? I mean, this is absolutely insane. But that's what's taking place. And all these agendas and the money behind them are all connected. They are not standalone items. Don't even think that for a moment. No, you're absolutely right, John. Um, we have about a minute before the break, um, and there's a number of things that we want to get into with you on the other side. Um, back to the... Uh, the con- congressional shooting today. <clears throat> we have a question from an emailer, and they want to know if this was the opening of Pandora's box, kind of like what you said, Dad, uh, saying that the left and the right both seem to be unhinged and wanting to know if we think, and if you think, John, that this is just the beginning of this politically motivated violence that we're, we're going to see. Are we going to see an increase? Of and, and I've got another emailer asking the same question. In the context, John, of of your uh, investigative experience, um, all, in having uh, having watched the events of today, so yeah, uh, folks, John Moore is our guest. His show airs nine to eleven Eastern. That's eight to ten Central. Republic uh, Broadcasting Network. TheLibertyMan.com is his website. We're so grace. Uh, we're so grateful to have him on t- tonight, uh, John Moore. John, stay right where you're at. Three we'll minutes network the, break. We'll pick up a okay. question uh, from Tom about the violence on the other side. Folks who are listening to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report, don't go anywhere.
visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. There shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric's. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Train Close in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to 18 major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We're offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues. And so can you. Check out our American Heritage Journeys kit at www.trainclosewoods.com. Your life may depend on it. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link, or if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Got emails about uh, from people. So many people who listen to them. Of course, Republican Republic Broadcast Network. That is eight to ten, eight to ten Central AM, eight, eight to ten AM Central Time, nine to eleven Eastern Time. Uh, fantastic, very popular radio program. John first fought terrorism back in 1967 in the streets and alleys of Vietnam. He's a he's a war vet. Uh, what 57 missions, I believe. Uh, former member of the Green Beret. Uh, he's also a PI, uh, a PI, PI, uh, and certainly a, a, 
a tremendous investigator and also a paralegal. He's got a lot of great experience and a lot of great information, insight into especially things that are going on today. Joe, right before the break, you were, and I think we interrupted you uh, with a question. There was a question that by one of our yeah, listeners. We got, a, we got more, too, but go ahead. We got a question from Tom W., and uh, he wants to know, with Kathy Griffin's beheading Trump and the Shakespeare play of killing Trump and today's shooting, was Pandora's box opened? He goes on to say there are crazies on all sides. And is this now open season for shooters? Today's shooting was out of the o- out in the open, no holds barred, very scary. Has open season begun? Uh, John, do you think this will embolden other people? Well, it's highly likely that it will. There's, uh, the police are always concerned about copycat killers. And uh, one of the things police are doing, uh, I would say maybe eight or ten years ago, they intentionally stopped uh, publicizing the name of the shooters in these mass murders uh, to help uh, retard uh, the, the people getting the idea that they'll become famous if they engage in that kind of activity. I'm not sure if it's true or not, but it does make some sense. So uh, to, to answer whether Pandora's box has been open, well, that's a wait-and-see thing. It's, it's, it's a question that can't be answered until uh, some period of time has passed. But I have to object. I've, I'm not aware of any uh, body on, on the right taking uh, engaging in acts of violence that I'm aware of uh, recently. Are, are you, Doug? Uh, uh, no. No, not at all. Uh with the guns. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> folks, there's an article I, I put up on Hagman Report, and it is uh, from the Daily Caller, shooting a GOP baseball practice, latest in pattern of violence against Republican. This details um, just in the last, since the inauguration, um, a whole laundry list of different incidences that have happened. Obviously, today seems to be the most severe, but it goes through how a number of, of um, Republicans at town hall meetings were were uh, threatened with death threats, were assaulted physically. It goes through, you know, the Berkeley riots with Milo. Uh, it's a good, uh, it's a good article and a good write-up at it, speaking to the the uptick in violence against Republican and that Republicans and that trend. Well, it'd be conservatives, I, I, I would. I would say, as opposed to Republicans, it would be conservatives, the conservative okay. uh, ideology, in my view. And it, that's been under attack. John, let me ask you a question uh, about the conservative ideology. You mentioned this before about Donald Trump bypassing the media via his Twitter, which I think is well, you know, is a brilliant maneuver. What about censorship of, of the media? Have you been experiencing uh, heightened censorship uh, uh, attacks to, to kind of keep your ideology Tampered down and, and well, not not personally. My agreement with station management was it's my two hours to do anything I want with, and that's, that's you know I've been there now for what uh, twelve years, and um, uh, that's that remains unchanged. Now I haven't had I do have it my own private YouTube channel. Uh, there's been no issues with that for quite a while. There was one. It's been seven or eight years ago. We got it cleared up. They. There was some allegation I was violating community standards, and sure. that, was, that was baseless, and, and we, we showed them it was baseless. Uh, so there's, there's, I've, I've not experienced that myself. Republic Broadcasting is very independent, uh, and um, so it's not been an issue for me personally. How about you, Doug? Well, we, we have, and it's been a very asymmetrical pattern of warfare that's been uh, levied against us. And, you know, Sean Hannity 
was recently uh he recently came out i think it was april 24th or 27th when he came out uh and made a statement in his opening monologue about uh having enough of people spreading lies about him and such and he was referring to a one particular blogger uh that made some serious allegations that suggest that was suggestive of sexual harassment i know this person uh in fact i have been um named by this individual as uh, plagiarizing her work or just just <laughs> I mean just ridiculous allegations so uh, i i understand it. so we are experiencing it in very similar ways and our sponsors for example they've been contacted you know they're being i don't want to say harassed but uh whatever would be a lighter term of harassed uh, you know don't how can you possibly uh, uh sponsor their program, they're, they're hate mongers. They're, uh, you know, they're idiots basically. And and of course, whenever we talk about a certain topic, I mean, we'll get the occasional uh, used condom in the mail. You know, that level of harassment. Um, and, and certain, there are a few other things that I won't get into. But yeah, you know, it's been it's been kind of a changed environment out there that does reflect the decrease in civility by the. Uh, by the left, but so to answer your question, thanks for asking. That's kind of where we're at, and, and of course the lawfare part too. Uh, I'll just let you know; it's no secret. You know, we've been subjected to, uh, uh, in my view, my personal opinion, I have to say that um, vexatious uh, litigation that's designed only, in my personal opinion, to uh, bleed us of money, take us off the air, bankrupt us, and to preoccupy us to keep us off the uh, important subject. So all of that said, yeah, uh, kind of between Alex Jones and Sean Hannity, if you will. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. And hang in there, Doug. I mean, you you got to stand up to these people and throw it right back at them. And when they lose their lawsuits, you need to be asking for damages, of course. No, that's coming. <laughs> Believe me. All right. All right. <laughs> you buckle up. Uh, okay, J- J- John, what's what's on your heart today in terms of, uh, I mean, you've got so much knowledge and you've got so much knowledge of the landscape. What are you most concerned about today, uh, right now, today? Right um, well, there's several things that, that are talked about occasionally, but the uh, national debt, the unfunded national debt, uh, I was talking to a friend today uh, earlier about this. Uh, the historical precedent for countries that are doing what we're doing in terms of debt is not will not have a good ending. Uh, there's only two ways it can end up. Either repudiation of the debt, which means they won't be able to borrow any more money, so that's not going to happen. Are making it go away with hyperinflation, which is obviously the, the, the choice they're going to have. Now it's been said that they could start a war and fund ourselves out of the out of the war with uh, out of the national debt with a war, but I don't see how those numbers can possibly work. This is not 1940. Uh, we didn't have a national debt of any consequence in 1940. Uh, all they would do would create more debt on top of the already existing debt if we went to war. So I don't see that as a win-win situation at all. Uh, but war is a possibility. Uh, North Korea, uh, a client state of China. Nothing happens in North Korea without the advice and consent of China. Uh, to, to think otherwise is foolish. There would be no North Korea if it wasn't for China. 
Uh, that could be a flashpoint for World War III. Syria, obviously, we have troops, American troops, in violation of international law on, on Syrian soil right now. That's an act of war. Uh, Russian troops in Syria, on Syria soil, invited uh, by Syria, and uh, active attempts to overthrow the Syrian government. Russia's not going to tolerate that. Russia has a warm water deep port on, on Syrian territory that is vital for Russian national security. It's not going to be given up. That will not happen. So we're in a lose-lose situation there, messing around with uh, these ancient peoples, these ancient beliefs, these ancient hatreds that make no sense to Westerners, but that's what these people are. Uh, so another flashpoint there. Um, we do have enemies that would like to see the United States crumble. Um, China would love to take over the United States, and so would Russia. Their goals since 1917 have not changed. You mentioned my historical per, uh, perspective. And um, I always go back to the books written by Anatoly Golitsyn. Now, this is very foundational. People need to understand what the real threat of communism is. It's generational. It's not year by year. Uh, Anatoly Golitsyn wrote a, uh, escaped from uh, Russia, defected, during the Kennedy administration, so more than half a century ago. And uh, he, he attempted to, to brief the CIA and MI5 in England, CIA here and MI5 in England, what he, what he did, what he learned, 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, when he worked in the KGB in long-range planning. They didn't believe him. They basically told him he needed a tinfoil hat. So in 1984, he wrote his book, New Lies for Old. In his book, he wrote about the uh, Berlin Wall coming down. He wrote about the East, Euro East European communist countries collapsing and becoming what appear to be democracies. The collapse of the Soviet Union, it appearing to become a democracy. All those things did happen five years after his book was published. And he also said the goal was to give the impression that communism was no longer a threat so the West would disarm and thereby be vulnerable to being invaded and taken over. That's, a, that's exactly what's happened, Doug. We have disarmed while the Russians have been building up their armaments. And there's an excellent Hollywood uh, thing that people can look at themselves, uh, the TV show America Spelled with a K. Uh, it was oh, yeah. hugely popular miniseries. You probably saw it yourself when it first came out, Doug, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Yep. 1984, 1985, along there. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the, the, the miniseries begins... Ten years after Russia takes over the United States. And I watched this thing two or three times. They never tell you how that happened in the miniseries. It does not happen. However, there was a book that the miniseries was based on, and it has a prologue. In the prologue, which is only about three pages long, and it's duplicated on my website, so you can read it. In the prologue, they tell you, and this is more than 30 years ago, they tell you how Russia took over the United States. Do you know how it was? I give up. EMP. An EMP attack. Now that wow. should make the, that should make the hair grow up on the back of your neck. Yeah. Yeah, that was more than 30 years ago. That book was published and the miniseries was based on that book. EMP is the ideal weapon. What the Russians and Chinese want is not our stuff. They don't want the people. We're a bunch of fat, lazy people. What they want is between the Rocky Mountains and the East Coast, especially the Midwest, 
the most productive agricultural growing area on the planet. That's what they want. Oh. Now, EMP would not cause harm to that. Wouldn't cause harm to the locks and dams. Wouldn't cause harm to the highways. Wouldn't cause harm to the airports. All the critical infrastructure, except for electronics, would still be in place, ready to be replaced and taken over and run by the Russians and Chinese. That's the goal, Doug. That's the ultimate goal right there. You said a lot, and we, of course, have been, um, we've talked to Dr. Peter Vincent Pry, for example, and others about the EMP threat. Uh, they don't need missiles. Now, I, I've interviewed Dr. Pry also, and, and uh, I, I've read his book. And I've read his report. Here's what people keep, the media especially, keep focusing on North Korea's missile capability. Right. Now, would it, would it be a, a fair statement, Doug, to say that uh, cocaine and heroin are smuggled into this country by people who can barely read and write by the ton every year? Uh, you okay? Sure. Okay. That's a fair statement. Would it also be a fair statement that a foreign intelligence agency with really bright, college-educated men and women could bring nuclear weapons in this country? Okay. Of course they could. Yeah. Of course they could. Do they need missiles? No. All they need is weather balloons. Oh. You get the, oh, you get the weapons high enough up, you do it in the daytime, there's no flash, there's no noise, there's just an EMP. And all you need is weather balloons. You don't need missiles. In fact, you could launch some weather balloons like the Japanese did uh, off the coast of uh, California and let the wind bring them west, east. All you need is a uh, a cargo ship out there in the Pacific Ocean, weather balloons, and nuclear weapons, and the weather and the and the wind patterns will do the rest. Launch them off the cargo ships. They get over the United States, get them up about twenty thirty miles, set them off. You got your EMP. Very low tech, but very effective. And, and I'm well, gonna, uh, yeah, yeah. Another, another thing. While well, we're on a roll here, there's about if you listen, if you read Doctor Pry's report. There's about 19 or 20 electrical substations in the United States. We got two, we got three power grids, East Mississippi, West Mississippi, and Texas. You don't need explosives. You don't need weapons uh, to destroy these power substations. A trip to Ace Hardware, True Value, Lowe's to pick up uh, hacksaws, uh, uh, hammers, uh, come-alongs, picks, to destroy electric power stations. That's all you need to destroy them. Simple hardware store tools. You don't need weapons. You don't need tools. Uh, explosives, excuse me. All you need is simple hand tools. You don't even need power tools to bring down these substations and destroy them nationwide. Uh, why, okay, John, uh, why hasn't this happened yet, number one? And number two, why haven't we hardened the systems that we have. Well, Dr. Pry has almost given up of hardening the national power grid. Uh, you know how they spend money in Washington there, Doug? For the cost of one and a third B-1 bombers, we got about 100 B-1 bombers. Ten of them have been used to blow the hell out of the Middle East. They send they're all nice and shiny, waiting to be used. But for the cost of one and a third B-1 bombers, they could harden the national power grid. It hasn't happened. It came close. There were one vote away. A female senator from Alaska was the deciding vote not to do it. Dr. Pry is now advocating each state isolate its own individual power grid with the authority of the state's governors. That would have some hope of, of working in some of the 
48 states. It doesn't include Alaska or, 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 or Hawaii, of course. Right. Um, some hope of, of making some of these states isolated and islanded from the rest of the power grid. I'm not aware of that having happened yet, but that's our best hope at the moment is some of these states isolate their power grid. Texas is already isolated, so that I guess they don't count since they already have their own state power grid. Um, why it hasn't happened yet? Well, the, uh, our enemies have a, an agenda, they have a timeline, and they haven't told me. Uh, <laughs> so uh, when, when it's time for them to do what they're going to do, then they will make their move. And uh, uh, that's privileged information that uh, I will never have access to, Doug. Well, I, and I think, John, thinking about this, uh, looking at how divided our country is, we, we began our, our segment talking about the divisiveness in this country, uh, that only works in the favor of our enemies. And, and I can see that, that through that divisiveness, um, I, I can just see where, where this could uh this could devolve into a civil war-like situation, you know, uh, uh, maybe not a full-blown civil war, but but certainly enough to allow that uh, allow us to be weakened enough to be overtaken once that happens. Well, and, and that may be the goal. George Soros was behind the Ferguson riots. In fact, the local uh, network TV stations in St. Louis, my hometown, were even reporting George Soros' money behind the rioters. Which shocked me, but they did. Uh, so once again, I, I believe George Soros' money will fund civil disorder in the major cities, uh, causing uh, uh, possible riots, uh, shutdowns of uh, limited square miles in these cities, possible martial law in the cities. It won't be nationwide martial law. It won't need to be. But if these cities start burning, martial law will be declared. They'll have no choice. Sure. Or martial bring in the troops. Okay. Yeah. I look at, uh, you know, I don't know about to the extent of a civil war. I can see civil unrest in certain areas, uh, you know, D.C. area, Portland. But as far as a, a nationwide civil war, I just don't see it unless there is uh, some kind of event that happens. Like you talked about, John, an EMP um, would definitely do it. Even a, a financial collapse would could, well, yeah, what you, were, what you were saying about the the unfunded liability? Are we exposed there? My goodness, go ahead. Um, <clears throat> with the economy, John, any thoughts? Uh, and I, I've been asking guests this uh, lately. Any thoughts on the current housing market? Uh, and I ask that in the context of: Are we in a similar position as we were in two thousand and seven with the housing market collapse in oh eight? Well, uh, funny you should ask that. There's a. Um, it wasn't just a housing market, it was the entire stock and bond market in the end of September 2008. Uh, there's an archive uh, that anybody can listen to on my website. The last Sunday of June 2008 on my program, which you can listen to the archive, I issued a warning, sell all stocks and bonds before the end of September because it's soon to happen worldwide crash of the stock and bond market. That was contrived, and that warning came from a bank gentleman that I think in five or six years, they finished their third century of being a bank, and they start their fourth century, the Royal Bank of Scotland, RBS. They issued that warning to their own customers. I got my hands on it. I put the warning out myself. And people dug our age, uh, the baby boomers, lost tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in their investments that they had set up for their retirement. The housing market, getting back to your question, Joe, it, it's overpriced again in many markets. 
young people are finding themselves priced out of the market. There was just I listen to National Public Radio for opposition research, and uh, there was a story this, this evening about young people being priced out of the market in many parts of the country where these houses, once again, are experiencing a, a bubble uh, of unrealistic prices. And young people in general have severe economic situation going on with uh, the high levels of taxation, the high cost of living, and uh, I don't blame millennials for staying with their parents. These uh, Tax codes and the and the taxes they pay uh, are just are just robbing them. You know, when I, when I got my first job in 1966, the government took one out of ten dollars from me for taxes. That's all they took. Uh, my weekly pay was a hundred dollars. I could go to a Chevrolet dealership and buy an okay used car from a Chevrolet dealership for one hundred dollars. I could pay my college tuition. It was $300 for a semester. Um, and that's all because of the low rate of taxes that were going on at the time. We had a very prosperous nation back then because the taxes were minimal compared to the are now. It's, it's basically half of people's paycheck goes to the government. And it's no wonder that people can't get by or buy a house or have a decent life with that level of taxation. Very yeah, true, brother. It is... Uh... It is. And then you look at the uh, real estate prices and, and the prices for renting houses in uh, San Francisco or even some of the bigger cities where even people who are making, you know, between a hundred and, and two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year can't afford a house. Um, That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. It is. It's crazy. John Moore is going to, well, he is a, uh, Prague Peace Prize recipient. Uh, he, he will be collecting, uh, or receiving his, uh, or the, uh, Prague Peace Prize middle of July of this year. Congratulations to John Moore. Uh, John, it's, it's great to hear, it's great to hear that. Uh, and that is for your work on the global warming deception. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. If you, if you want yeah, to, if you want I got a follow up on that. I got go a follow up. Um, we, um, uh, one of my listeners, and I can't take credit because my listeners have time to do this and I don't. I had a listener several years ago found an image on the 1972 Godfather film, North America with New Coastlines. It was a mural in a Vatican meeting room of North America with New Coastlines. Nothing happened for two and a half years until January this year. A listener found another image on the Highway Patrol. Roderick Crawford, 1957. You probably watched it when he was a kid like I did, Doug. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I just saw that. I don't know where I saw that, but go, go on. Well, uh, Crawford is a homicide detective with the Highway Patrol, California, and he's in the office of an oil executive talking about the murder case. It's all black and white, of course. That's the nature of that show. On the wall behind Crawford is a three-by-five-foot map of North America, and Doug, it's my map. It is my map on my DVD almost to the to the mile and it shows an inland sea where the Mississippi River is 200 miles wide, east coast underwater Florida gone and Texas uh, partly underwater and the west coast partly underwater and neither character mentions this map at all, it's just there now since then we found the following films uh, Hunger Games, A Beautiful Mind Superman Superman Returns, Dancing with the Stars and others. They, they just keep rolling in. Uh, and one, going back to 1955, Captain Midnight, 62 years ago. 
1955, Captain Midnight, an image of North America with new coastlines. And here's the thing, gentlemen. From the moment that doctor holds you upside down and smacked your bare bottom, everything you've seen, heard, tasted, or touched is part of your subconscious. Everything. Including these images that hundreds of millions of people have been seeing, looking at for the last 62 years. And they pick the winners. Uh, they don't pick the losers. Hunger Games, how many millions of people watch that? Superman? Godfather? Uh, they pick the winners to put these images in. Uh, and they, they've made these images part of our subconscious mind, gentlemen. That is fascinating. Yeah. That's amazing that you pointed that out. John, we're at the, we're at the end of our segment. I just lost my audio. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, sorry. I'm we only have about ears. A minute left, John. I want to thank okay. you so much for, for joining us tonight. And I'm not sure when the last time you were, you were on, but we'll have to, we'll have to make sure we do this more often. And okay. Let's do that. Yeah. Any, uh, Anything upcoming? Uh, any big interviews or anything you want to promote before we we have to run? Oh, it's just uh, Monday through Friday, eight to ten Central. I'm there every day. Fantastic, folks. John Moore. Uh, that's John Moore. Liberty. Uh, what's the website? TheLibertyMan.com. TheLibertyMan.com. Right. TheLibertyMan.com. Folks, again, catch his show, John Moore. Uh, Nine to eleven. Eastern, Eastern time, time yeah. each and every day. John, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, gentlemen. You have a great evening. evening. Okay. All right, we are coming up against the break. When we come back, we will be joined by our guests of the roundtable, Honeybee, who was on with us last week, Liz Crokin, and Craig the Sawman Sawyer will be here all together to uh, talk about a number of things. The Any updates and... and uh, Thoughts on the Pedalgate investigation will be the topic of attention. We'll be right back. Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator to his creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest-yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high-net-worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. 
capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Ladies and gentlemen, this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. What a time for my uh, earpiece to go. Uh, I want to thank each and every one of you for uh, joining us. Thank you so much for your belief and your trust in us. We've got an important topic to discuss. We've got the people to talk about it with us right now. With us is the amazing Craig Sawman Sawyer. Uh, folks, you know you know Craig Sawman Sawyer. Also, Melissa is... Uh, and and we went through this last time. Is it Zachariah? Zachariah. Okay. And of course, she's known as the Honeybee. Yep. And Liz Croken, three marvelous individuals. They're they're at the tip of the spear in exposing the uh, exposing what is known as pedogate. Of course, the sex and child trafficking that's taking place in the United States across the world. And they all three have a lot to add. This is going to be a roundtable discussion. What we're going to do is we're going to forego our bottom of the hour network network break to give everyone enough time uh, to to talk. And we are going to have a discussion about this. What I'd like to do, Joe, uh, because I'm a little bit hobbled over here, if you can uh, bring on everyone and then toss it to let's toss it to to Craig to open up provide an opening statement perhaps and then we can go go uh one by one because there's so much to talk about about this so important subject here uh liz has uncovered uh, numerous uh, arrests in effect go to hagmanreport.com uh the um uh since donald trump has been uh in office there have been numerous arrests high profile arrests that have taken place and of course uh, melissa the honeybee with respect to what she's been doing she's been exposing people it's been melissa i've watched some of your latest videos they're absolutely incredible keep it going 
I love it. Uh, but but having said that, we'll, we'll turn it over to Craig to superintend, I suppose. Yeah. Go ahead, Joe. And uh, we do have uh, Melissa with us, uh, known as Honeybee on Twitter. Uh, Melissa, hi. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here with these two wonderful people. And I see we have uh, Liz Crokin. Liz, uh, we haven't talked since you posted the article, but your um, article that you wrote for the Hagman Report, uh, Trump zeroing in on elite pedophiles, really took off. Yeah, you know, apparently that's a big interest, and no one in the mainstream media is willing to report sex trafficking, so I'm grateful that you guys are willing to let me do so at your platform, so thank you. Well, thank you. It was an excellent, excellent piece, and keep up the good work. And we have Craig Sawyer, who we had the uh, pleasure of meeting in Gurney, Illinois, just north of Chicago, uh, about six weeks ago or so. Uh, Craig, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Craig, why don't you open this up and, and provide us with a uh, kind of an opening statement, if you will. You you are the head of uh, Vets for Children, correct? Uh, Vets, the number four ch- children? Veterans for Child Rescue and Vets with the number four Child Rescue is the website. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. Well. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. My apologies on that. Uh, but go ahead and give us an opening statement, Craig, uh, with respect to where we're at with this situation of, of the pedophilia epidemic in this country and worldwide. Well, I think what Liz, Melissa, and I share in, in going after this crisis to, to try to turn it around and make a positive impact is the fact that exposure is the Achilles heel of the elite. These crooks are parading as as highly respected and very influential people and I think uh, it's important to, to rip back the veil of secrecy if you will on this harmful behavior uh, to the children so that we can we can clean it up you know as long as the public believe that it's not going on or they are unwitting to it it is very hard to rally the support to, to, to beat this back because we do have a wide range of people that are involved in the pedophilia and uh, some of them very high ranking, very, very wealthy and we need the, the American public to be aware. So that's why uh, these two ladies and myself are on the same sheet of music. Hey, we've got to expose, man. We have to. Sunlight's the best antiseptic for corruption and, and that's what we're, we're about shining the sunlight on it. Even though it's ugly, but it, we have to we have to clean it up and uh, identifying it is job one. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And um, exposure is what is what we need to uh, we need to shine the as you said shine the light on these on these people. Uh, a lot of the reasons why they're able to get away with what they are is you know the one the the network of conspirators who are involved. And, you know, they obviously cover up for each other, but because by covering up for each other, it keeps also any potential exposure off of them as well. Um, and, you know, this is an area where we saw a lot of exposure leading up to the election and after the election, but it's kind of kind of died out. Uh, not so much the interest, but uh, we had all those emails from John Podesta and the DNC, and there's not been a lot of, of new information uh, Craig, I'll start with you. Is there any any new information that we've learned uh, since the last time we've spoken? Uh, there's a lot of information. Uh, the the trick is in, in knowing what to share with the public. I think uh, with a lot of these cases, it, they take time. Big federal cases take time. I, I know that from being a federal criminal investigator. And if you 
if you compromise the investigation, you, you really do a disservice because a lot of times uh, these wealthy folks, uh, their lawyers are just tricksters. They're not looking for the truth. They're not looking for justice. They're looking to win the case for their client. And they'll do that uh, by hook or crook. And and they just need to, to be able to... Um, you know, find some sort of loophole, some sort of technicality to get them off on. So these these investigations have to be done very methodically and carefully. So I I see that that's what's being done. I know that um, uh, that we've got a, an administration right now that's not on board with the harm being done to children. There are a lot of arrests going on. So uh, I think it's just a matter of. Um, I would like to see the media covering it more, the mainstream media covering it more. They will not. So the citizens, the citizens, we the citizens are are picking up the uh, the ball and running with it and trying to share so that we can inform each other. Knowledge is power, and our founding fathers never intended for the American people to be hidden in the dark and not have a part in the process, not be have a have a say so in things. And I think uh, we've let it go so far now. Americans, you know, we're we're uh, as a nation, we're successful and we're very busy individually and we've got family and we've got problems and we can't be bothered with politics. Well, by not being bothered with it, we've handed the cupboard over to the rats and the rats have made a filthy mess of it. And we've got to realize that we're going to have to roll up our sleeves, get into the cupboard, metaphorically speaking, and, and clean it up. And it's not, it's not a fun process. So I think uh, that's happened. Uh, that's begun happening just since the election, but uh, I think it's it's got to be done so carefully that it's not going to be satisfying early on for we the people to see the play-by-play like you would in a football game. You know, um, uh, the cases are being built, the investigations are are, are being conducted, and uh, and then they'll then they'll start slapping the cuffs on on people and, and going through the trials. But uh, I suspect uh, it's going to be slower than we would like. And besides the look, let's let's admit the situation that we're in. We've got a president that's that's surrounded by deep state subver- subversives on all sides, mm-hmm. impeding him. They are are trying to just block him at, at every turn, not because they disagree with what he's doing, but just just out of spite in a lot of cases. So, uh I'd like to be able to say, hey, this guy's on short final for prosecution, but uh, I don't think that would be helpful at all. And okay. uh, and, and I don't want to be uh, on those high-level cases that aren't necessarily going to be part of my team's production. I don't want to be part of it uh, so that nothing ever does inadvertently slip out. I, I, we understand that. Now, um, Liz, this question is going to go to you and then a follow-up for Melissa. But Liz... What we 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 have been seeing a somewhat of a change since President Donald Trump has been sworn into office, and of course with the new Department of Justice uh, hierarchy there, we have seen, as you have written for the Hagman Report as as well as other locales, the um, increase in prosecutions, or at least the increase in arrests with respect to this particular crime we're, we're, we're seeing that take place right now and it, it, just as Craig said the, the methods the, uh, the, the uh, we have to be very methodical of course um, talk to us uh, uh, Liz about the difference between now and we'll say uh, 10 months a year ago well Doug I want to first start off by talking about 
what happened today. Okay. What was the big news event that happened today? Uh, the shooting, obviously. Right. Now, who was shot today? One of the members of Congress that was shot today was fighting against sex trafficking. Wow. Did you know that? Who is that? Representative Scalise. Right. He posted a YouTube video about two weeks ago talking about ending human trafficking. And he also talked about laws that he's working on passing about ending sex trafficking. Today he was shot in the leg. This was not a coincidence. Wow. Okay. I don't know if you guys knew that. Well, he has been one of the most vocal members of Congress that's been speaking out against sex trafficking. Okay. Th- th- that's amazing. I-, I didn't realize that he was on the forefront of the of the uh, the-, the congressional uh, side of this. Okay. So, Liz, what you're saying is that this you believe he was specifically targeted in this shooting because of the his his stance on on child sex trafficking. Absolutely, absolutely. And there's something else that needs to be said here. Another representative that was on the field during the shooting, Representative Wenstrup, he penned an op-ed last week titled, Human Trafficking, As Easy as Ordering a Pizza. (sighs) He was not shot, but he was on the field, and he actually administered aid to Representative Scalise. Now, this is not a coincidence. These are two members of Congress who have been fighting the hardest to expose Pedogate. And today, they were attacked. One could have been killed. Um, the last I heard, Representative Scalise is in critical condition, but I, I hear he's going to make it through. Okay. This is not a coincidence that these two members of Congress were on the field and were targeted and they have been the most vocal speaking out about sex trafficking, human trafficking, and Pizzagate. Wow. So that's okay. what I want your audience to understand. This is the kind of evil we're dealing with. This is the kind of deep state tactics we're dealing with. People that speak out against human trafficking, sex trafficking, which whether it's journalists, members of Congress, the President of the United States, they are targeted. And the deep state is going in overdrive trying to bring these people down. Okay? okay. I, have, I have a friend that works at the State Department who just texted me the, the other day who's been blowing the whistle on sex trafficking. She was poisoned the other day. All right. This is what we're dealing with. This is the kind of evil we're dealing with. And I don't believe it's a coincidence for one second that these members of Congress who are working hard to take down this pedophile elite were targeted today. And what else did we see happen today? We have... Cory Booker, okay, and um, Faith Tear Chuck Schumer yesterday both calling for Attorney General Jeffrey Sessions to resign for, for no reason. Mm. And what is Attorney General Jeff Sessions doing? He is going after the, the pedophiles. He's exposing sex trafficking. And that's what I wrote in the article I posted on your site right. last week, is that he is him and Trump 
are going after the sex trafficking, and the deep state knows it, and they are trying to stop it because they are behind sex trafficking. End of story, period. Wow. All right. And now we have a member of Congress that was shot today because of his work trying to rescue children. This is what we're dealing with. This is the kind of evil that we're dealing with. And, and frankly, I am so pissed off that things have gotten this bad and this far that members of Congress that are trying to freaking save children can't even practice baseball without worrying about getting shot. And journalists might, like myself can't, you know, write and go on podcasts without having to worry for my safety constantly. It's insanity. And people need to wake up and they, they need to start connecting the dots that the real reason why there's this attempted coup to overthrow President Trump and his administration has everything to do with sex trafficking, period. Because when push comes to shove and these members of Congress, government, um, judges, members of the FBI, all these bad seeds in our government are taken down, we're going to see one half to two-thirds of our government be thrown in jail. That's how rampant it is. Liz, uh, amazing. By the way, I should point out that we had, um, uh, speaking with Dave Hodges earlier when the program started, um, his contact at the State Department, they they have a section overseeing child trafficking, and it's interesting because he had stated that she was has been harassed, even uh, even poisoned, that you mentioned, uh so I, I'm, I'm seeing this pattern develop here. Very interesting, Melissa. If I can move to you, because what what Liz said with respect to things not being an accident, with you, Melissa, you point out where the National Center for the Missing and Exploited Children and the ICMEC, both non-governmental agencies, happen to be in charge of the uh, some of the world's biggest and most sensitive cases. And Absolutely. What are you finding there with these organizations? And by the way, I watched your videos. Uh, incredible stuff. But what are you finding there with the uh, uh, NCMEC and ICMEC? Well, like Liz and Craig have mentioned, this is um, this is something that is going on on the highest echelon of our government. This is a, a, a huge organization of pedophiles that protect each other, like you were saying yourself. Um, so when you have these agencies like the NCMEC, the ICMEC, um, even government agencies like uh, the Department of Children and Families and things like that, um, they have like ultimate power <laughs> over these situations. Now, the thing that concerns me, if you did see my videos about NCMEC, I have worked with them personally many times. Um, one time, uh, I really saw their true colors. Um, I was reporting child pornography that I had stumbled upon on a website, a very cool web website. It was a video sharing kind of platform, like like a Facebook for, for YouTube. Um, and there there was child porn everywhere. I mean, everywhere, you just stumble down this rabbit hole, and it's just like porn, for ch child porn everywhere. So instead of using their report tool, um, I reported it directly to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and the L.A. Uh, Child Sex Crimes Unit, um, because that's where this video platform is is run out of. Um, it was like, uh, you know, who's on first kind of situation. Um, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children 
They get reports after reports. They get 2 million reports a year, um, and that's being generous. They had 7 million reports a few years back, which is like the record for them. Um, and they hold it in their data bank. Uh, they decide if the case is uh, severe enough or critical enough, then they will pass that information on to law enforcement. But that is not all the time. Um, and I had this phone call recorded. Uh, I spoke with the director um, and their lawyer. They called me uh, concerned about my questions about how they're doing things over there uh, because I couldn't get a straight answer from them about the reporting aspect of it. Um, I have the video platform accusing me of, of not using their terms of service because I'm, I'm actually doing what the law says. If you see child pornography, you report it to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. But you have these websites they're all working together. All their rules kind of intermingle and cancel each other out. So I just want to know why this non-government agency has the largest child porn collection in the world, um, and they decide non they're not law enforcement people. They're not a part of the FBI. This is a non-governmental agency that is gets funding from the government, um, but there's only 25 people that work at their, 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 their agency. Um, so they're going through... 25,000 images, videos, reports a week, uh, and divide that by 25 people. And you may have a video that's three or four hours long of a child being exploited. I just want to know uh, how much these people are getting paid, uh, what they're actually doing with their time, because John uh, F. Clark, the president, has admitted um, in his, you know, his introduction to their website that they have rescued 8,000 children over the last 30 years. Now, think about the reports that are that go into that agency and how many children are being reported. And yes, I understand that some pictures, they go on, they live forever, they're reported multiple times. But 2 million reports of children missing or being abused, and they have a 3% recovery rate of missing children, it just seems um, like a complete waste of time to have this agency running when we should have a dedicated uh group of, of law enforcement or, or people that are in the FBI or somebody with some authority uh, to decide what is criminal and what is not running this sort of operation. It just seems very suspect to me, um, and they're not very easy to work with. They are very secretive um, about what they do, and it's, um, it's not very easy to report to them either. You don't really get uh, any information after, and you know, you're just kind of waiting for the stuff to go away, and you can't go back and visit a child porn picture. I mean, you don't want that stuff. You don't want to see that stuff. And you're incriminating yourself by looking at it. So it's just very difficult to see how this agency is actually doing any good and why it is this big, you know, um, haven that everyone looks to as this savior uh, for kids when it's really, it's really not. Okay. Craig, I, I'm going to toss it to you. got a question. Um, from your research and, and from your experience, what can law enforcement officials, both the state and local law enforcement, as well as federal agencies do to better combat this? I guess, what are they not doing? What do they need to change to, if they really want to take this head on seriously? Well, right now, a lot of the good law enforcement officers that are out there that want to do a good job don't dare do their job in good faith because their boss will punish them for having done so or their boss's boss or their boss's boss's boss. So we've what we've got is a federal system infested with 
subversives and those who are friendly to the, the child trafficking, and they're causing a log jam. So our federal law enforcement system is not working on the whole. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying Director Comey rendered the FBI useless as a law enforcement and intelligence gathering agency. Well, my gosh, that's pretty, that's a lot of heavy lifting to go back and clean up. And what I've been pounding into all of my contacts who have the president's ear until I can get a personal uh, meeting with him is to, is to choose directors that he believes in if they're not already in place to each agency and charge them with his commander's intent and, and tell them, Hey, your, your task, my commander's intent for you, your tasking is to get this agency, your agency back on its chartered mission. And it's, and it's to get back to doing what the American people believe and are funding it to do. And you, Mr. Director, will, will thereby get rid of prosecute or fire anybody that's that's causing the logjam in your agency. You you will clean it up and get it running efficiently and effectively again. That's your mission. If you do that, I will hold you up as an exemplar, a national hero for all to celebrate. If you if you can't do that, I'll fire you and replace you with someone that will. And if you subvert and undermine me, I'll prosecute your backside. And that's what he needs to do. I feel very strongly from having been in the federal system and seeing how it's broken and and how it stays broken, and and having uh, understood what it what it would take to um, to clean it up from having dealt with different uh, units and agencies, uh, I've worn quite a few different hats over the years. So I've learned things from great leaders and I've learned things through through trial and error. And I believe with all my heart and soul that's what needs to happen. If the president will do that, my gosh, imagine if we had. Eight or ten or fifteen of the top agencies actually doing what they are supposed to, and people reporting what they see and 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 prosecuting the crooks. Man, we could heal the soul of this nation so fast, and inspire and motivate uh, the American people. It, it could be a beautiful thing that would make him the best president the United States has ever had. Period. Doing that, it absolutely would. I believe it needs to happen. So that's. That's my solution for it. Wow. Well, and, 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 and if I jump in here, um, yeah, go ahead. So part of the problem we have going on here <laughs> is that so many people in government are behind sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. So many people in government are pedophiles. So many people in government are raping children. So you know, you had Melissa talking about how these um, government-funded organizations or government organizations. Uh, don't seem to be doing much to help children. Well, guess what? A lot of these organizations, they're fronts. They are fronts for sex trafficking. They're fronts. And not only that, we've had deep state operatives putting people into positions of power who are not only pedophiles, but are willing to continue trafficking children and covering up for the trafficking children, or the trafficking of children for literally years. Okay, and so until we get rid of all these horrible, <laughs> evil people in government that are part of the problem, who are raping and torturing children and allowing this to happen, this will never end. But I'll, let me tell you, part of the reason why I'm so passionate about this, as you guys well know, is because I was the victim of a sex crime myself. Okay, and 
So, you know, I wasn't a child victim, thank God, um, but I was a victim of a sex crime. And I learned from firsthand experience that despite the sex crime that was committed against me and, and despite all the evidence that a serious crime was committed against me, I could not get any authority members, any cops, any detectives, not even a sex crime detective, to prosecute my crime. Or I couldn't even get a detective to interview me about what happened to me. And not only that, I was mocked. I was laughed at. My lawyer had to school a sex crime detective on the law that was on the law that was broken and, and the sex crime that was committed against me. And you know, this happened to me five years ago, and I'm thinking, what the heck? Like, I don't understand. Like, the police are are put in positions to help people, to help children, to help sex crime victims, and they wouldn't give me the time of day. They wouldn't do anything. And then, you know, once I got involved with my advocacy work, and once I read the Podesta emails and used my investigative journalism skills to research all of this, that's when the light bulb went off, and I realized, oh, my God, we, these people that are put in positions of power are behind the sex trafficking. They are protecting yeah. pedophiles because they are pedophiles themselves. That's why this is such a big problem. That's why it's so rampant. Look at the former Speaker of the House, Dennis Hastert. He is sitting in a jail cell because he was raping little boys. He was the third most powerful person in the country at one point in time. And he's best friends with the Podestas. Yes. So until we get all of these people in positions of power um, out, it's never going to end. But thankfully, Trump is attempting to do that. And as I wrote in that piece that was published on your site last week, he is he started going after the pedophiles on the bottom, okay? And now he's working... Um, higher towards the top. And, you know, recently I, I hi highlighted my piece. Um, they arrested Mayor de Blasio's top aide right. for child porn. And this is important for me to say, he was watching child porn. And, what, and, and, and the porn didn't involve just teenagers. It involved porn that depicted a baby, a six-month-old baby being raped. And I, I hate having to be this descriptive, but people need to understand the kind of evil we're dealing with here because I think a lot of people naively assume that when they see that someone was arrested for child porn, they assume, oh, it's probably just, you know, a 17-year-old who looked 25. No. These people like to watch babies <laughs> and toddlers being raped, and it's disgusting, and it needs to be exposed, and people need to talk about it. So yeah, and, this guy... And Liz... Liz, uh, sorry for interrupting, but your your um, investigative work product about the victims, the victimology here in Melissa, what I've seen from you, very similar in terms and very disgustingly and unsurprisingly disgusting, I suppose. The young, um, the young children that are involved here. Um, you're, 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 no, you're, you're exactly right. I, I guess, uh, this is a very difficult subject to deal with. And, and Liz, knowing that you, you know, you were a, a victim later in life, of course, and are very passionate about this. And Melissa, uh, your, your work product, uh, exposing, um, 
the proclivities. You know, the last couple of videos you did, um, pretty graphic. I, I, I should I should say. Um, I, I, I'm not sure where I was going to go with this, Melissa. I go, hey, Doug, I can, I, I, I'd like to say something real quick to that. Go ahead, Craig. Um, I'll, I'll make it quick, and, uh, and I'll turn it over to Melissa. What Liz was talking about, I, I agree with her 100%. She's backing up what I said, uh, in that we've got so many subversives in the federal system causing the logjam, and I think that can get fixed, absolutely fixed, if the directors are, are on the right sheet of music and if they are charged with that commander's intent of cleaning out their agencies, they can do that from the top and they can do it swiftly. Uh, it's much more effective than trying to do it from the bottom and blow the whistle on a crook. I, I, I've, I've suffered that pain and a guy that was very well connected that he was eventually fired for gross mismanagement and retaliation, but I saw that several of the other entities uh, that were supposed to intervene and protect me as the whistleblower were crooked too. And um, one of those, uh, the head of the OSC, Scott Block, was later sentenced to 10 years in prison. Well, another crook uh, once, they didn't let him off, but another crook uh, stroked the pen and, and yeah, you're guilty, but you're not going to have to serve out your sentence. So it's, uh, that has to be cleaned up. And I think the information, another thing with law enforcement is a lot of them they can't report up the chain of command because the chain of command is is infiltrated by the, some of those that are dirty. If we can clean that out, we also need to inform them of how pervasive this problem is, how widespread, how dirty it is, so that when people do call, when people like Melissa make notifications to law enforcement, they're like, oh, my gosh, you know, let's track this down. This sounds like a part of this kind of ring or that. They understand what's being reported right now. A lot of times I think... There will be some that are that are complicit that don't, don't care, but I think there's another aspect of them that they're just unwitting, they're uninformed, they don't know. They're like, ah, oh, that doesn't sound like you know a pressing matter. So I think it's the two two part: the the information, informing the public, and uh, and then driving that culture from the top and just cleaning our our federal agencies and the local law enforcement uh, as well to follow. So that way we have as citizens someplace righteous to report to because right now uh it's broke it sure is melissa you were um you were going to jump in there yeah i just want this is how it is okay liz mentioned dennis haster okay he he actually wasn't convicted of of molesting children the judge in the courtroom said you are disgusting you are a serial child molester and mentioning um you know your name and child molester and your position in the government um, in the same sentence makes me sick. Uh, but then they sentence him for a, a money laundering fraud um, conviction, and that's why he's spending his, um, I believe, maybe, is it 15 to 17 months or something like that um, in it's jail? A sentence. Yeah. Not yeah. long enough. And that's the, that's the problem is, um, like Wiener, okay, for instance, uh, these very, very light sentencing um, for these government officials, these people that are supposed to be people that our children look up to, okay? So we're creating this culture just by having these people. They're getting away with this. They're getting away with it. And this isn't like this isn't the first time in history that we're, we were seeing this. Didn't our defense director about 10 years ago, a huge case about him getting put away for, for raping and, and molesting children? 
Um, this is kind of like a culture that's starting to be normal. And now you wonder why I'm, I'm on my computer every day fighting pedophile advocacy groups. There's, there's groups of people, like 50, 60 people together planning how to, how to lower the age of consent, how to convince the people that having sex with a, a three-year-old is, is okay. It, it is not okay. And if our government <laughs> is getting convicted of these crimes, watching tapes of, of babies being sexually abused, that, that, like literally having sex with babies, uh, this is what they're going to jail for, guys. Um, we have this culture now that we have to deal with. And it just, it seems like this, uh, invisible shadow thing that no one wants to talk about. But it's actually the most disturbing thing and the most important thing we should be thinking about. These are our children. And it, it goes so far beyond the pleasure of having sex with a, with a child, that pedophile thing. There is an industry of this stuff going on. So you have the level of people that think it's okay. So now you're, like, inspiring pedophiles to organize and, and get together and condone it and normalize it. Okay, and then you have the industry level where we're selling children from other countries that are going through natural disasters. You know Laura Silsby went over there because Haiti was hit with a huge natural disaster, and the kids are just kind of hanging out looking to get picked up, you know, and that's why she got arrested. Not once, twice was she arrested for trying to traffic children into Florida, okay, going over to Dominican Republic first. Um, this is an industry that knows no end. Organs, blood. You guys have seen the new blood transfusion uh, uh, medical reports. Medical journals are talking about using young blood to put into Alzheimer uh, patients to rejuvenate their body, uh, to make blood sickness go away. Um, yes, you, if you have a million dollars, you can do that, sure, um, and make it legit. But do you really think there isn't a black market to offset that kind of stuff? You don't think that they're grabbing kids from the Mexican border that are trying to come over here for a better life and uh, taking their organs out and taking their blood and, you know, maybe taking the the attractive ones and, and selling them into sex trade? This is a real issue in our country, and it is huge. And thank God we have people from the military and people that are journalists that are getting awards that are actually sacrificing the glam that they could have had in their lives to come on this show and to go on their own platforms and address this issue because I can't take it on alone being a, a, a citizen here just trying to peck at the ones that I can expose. You know, I'm dealing with, with these little advocacy groups, but it's direct. It's directly happening because of the culture. Our culture is starting to condone this kind of behavior, and it's from these very small convictions and the pushing under the rug, you know, I just want to let you know, I didn't want to bring this up because I keep on getting videos taken down um, and I keep getting scrubbed, but when I looked at the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, I found uh, Brian Podesta, okay, who works as an analyst at the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. The second I tried to make a connection to John Podesta, okay, there's pictures of uh, Brian and his brother PJ who writes for Salon Magazine and the New York Times, uh, pro-pedophilia. Um, they're in a picture with Bill Clinton when John Podesta was the chair. Um, these people are directly or indirectly related, but they know each other. And Brian's parents have worked at the Washington Post for 30 years. And Brian's father is a part of the National Endowment for Democracy. 
Okay, this is all, like Liz said, people working and planting people in certain positions of power so they can cover each other's asses. And if, excuse my language, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm like Liz, it just gets me really angry <laughs> that this stuff is, is able to no happen. No worries, no worries. You know? Wow. And, and she mentioned Salon, and what does Salon publish? They publish articles trying to garner sympathy for pedophiles. They publish articles trying to normalize pedophilia. Um, we have the left trying to normalize pedophilia, trying to normalize uh, the rape of children. Um, that's what the whole, that's part of the reason why they're trying to push the refugee uh, crisis, and they're also trying to um, bring as many Muslims into Western culture, culture as possible because they know that Muslims believe, true Muslims who believe their prophet Muhammad, um, they believe in child marriage. And they believe in the rape of children. This is legal in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. Not only is it legal, uh, if you're a child and or a woman and you get raped in the Middle East, guess what? You can, the victim can be thrown in jail. Right. So they're using the refugee crisis, they're using the religion as a means to promote their pedophile agenda, and they're also using the media to do so. But there's one thing I want to mention that I think is really important for people to understand, and like this is what I've been trying to, to um, this is what I really have been trying to get across to people and I've really been focusing on, is that what happened today, the shooting that happened today, the people that were targeted were trying to expose sex trafficking. They are passing legislation that will make it harder for people to rape children, and they're passing legislation that will help victims of sex trafficking. They were targeted. Now, who else is getting targeted? Like I said earlier, President Trump, Attorney General Jeffrey Sessions, and then we have Vladimir Putin, who's been thrown in the mix. Well, Vladimir Putin speaks out against pedophilia and sex trafficking all the time. So it's no coincidence that the deep state has used Russia to try to take down President Trump. It's like kill two birds with one stone. President Trump and President Putin are the two most powerful leaders in the world that are trying to take down these elite pedophiles. And the deep state pedophiles, they know it. Why do you think so many people from the left and the deep state are so frantically trying to destroy President Trump and destroy the new attorney general? And, and, the, and there's no reason. They've done nothing wrong. They, president Trump was a democratically elected president. It's because they know that they are going after their sex trafficking ring. And actually, Craig and I talked earlier on the phone today, and we both agree on this, sex trafficking, we, we both heard this from, from our research and our sources, sex trafficking is the most lucrative business on the black market in the world, okay? It is the most lucrative business in the world, selling children as sex slaves, and then after they die, they get the bonus of being able to harvest and sell their organs. This is the most lucrative black market business. It's not drugs anymore. It's sex trafficking. And the deep state operatives are behind it. All of these 
you know, fronts and um, charities that we think that all, well, a lot of them that we think are there to protect children, they're a part of it. They are part of the sex trafficking. So President Trump, Jeff Sessions, and Vladimir Putin, and these members of Congress who were targeted today, these people are the biggest threat to the deep state. And that's why we see this coup happening. It all boils down to sex trafficking. It all ties into sex trafficking. It's not a coincidence that there's a witch hunt against all these powerful people that are trying to end human trafficking. It's all connected. Craig, I'm, I'm going to jump to you, uh, and I want all you guys to answer this question. Is there, and Liz, you uh, opened the interview by talking about um, how the mainstream media is not picking up on on any of these stories and they you know they refuse to cover uh, any of the the stuff that has to do with child sex trafficking or or pedogate um in your opinion craig is there anything we can do to force the issue into the mainstream would it take a high profile arrest um you know uncovering a network that that has its tentacles into dc or is there some some other way to approach this that would it's be a good able question to? joe and and craig i i i yeah, i want to kind of just to add to that how can not is there how can we force this into the mainstream well i think we the people have our own means of communicating social media although highly suppressed and highly manipulated now uh it is still a platform uh by which we can share the truth and the truth is pretty powerful because when people get a hold of it they tend to want to share it and uh, thank god so that's what i one of the things that i suggest we've got to do is is really encourage our friends and family and colleagues contacts to to get the word out to overcome the mass disinformation that we're getting from our so-called news media and uh, i i i'm frustrated with people that 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 don't yet know that virtually all of our so-called mainstream news media are owned by those who would rather see the United States uh, fall under under a socialist model, a Marxist socialist model, than than go on to being an independent and strong nation. And uh, and and I I blame the American citizens for not realizing that that's going to be a bad thing, and not to not to not to listen so much uh, or, or to just take it with a grain of salt with what they're putting out and weigh it against what you see with your own two eyes and uh, so I think we can overcome the mainstream by sharing it just uh, trying to get uh, the, the word out as, as 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 effectively as we can in that regard and, and I do believe that it'll take at least in the next few months it'll take a, a big name or a big case to 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 come to fruition for for the the masses to hear about it, the mainstream will continue to suppress it as long as they can until they start losing big money over it, and, and they see that everybody's you know making fun of them. Then they'll have to uh, air it to some degree. But I think if uh, if the president starts really dropping the hammer, and and uh, these cases start accelerating, we start getting some movement. It'll it'll have to. I mean, the genie's out of the bottle. It'll it'll get <laughs> people see it. You know, so that was, I'm excited and hoping for that day, but we want to help it. I, and and I agree with you. And, and I just want to mention to, to our audience that, that we had the opportunity to meet and speak with 
uh, Craig Sawyer in Gurney, Illinois, and what an amazing man this man is. But all three of our guests tonight, Craig Sawyer, Melissa, Liz, uh, they've put in so much, so much time, so much effort, so much energy. Folks, I just want to just tell you that I really believe that we all need to support each one of these uh, researchers, writers, uh, from Craig to Liz to Melissa, because they're doing the work of not three but 30 people. And I want to just thank each one of you um, individually and thank all of you collectively. Melissa, um, I'm going to just kick it to you for a second. Uh, the, um, the prominent people you're finding behind the scenes, any surprises here, or is it pretty much, I, I mean, we're, we're seeing the same names over and over again, aren't we? Yeah, it, it actually it, it wasn't surprising because if you looked at in the beginning of my, my research, which only was five or six months ago I started doing this, I went directly to D.C. and I started trolling the D.C. sex offender registry. And to my surprise, I was finding many government officials uh, that were registered sex offenders. And I was able to uh, kind of triangulate a, like, a, like a literal sex ring uh, around the White House. They all work uh, within about a mile to two miles of the White House or the State House. Um, that is very concerning to me um, that even just looking on the sex re- offender registry, you can find people that govern you and are making your laws and are telling you how to be a good American, are, um, you know, watching child porn, uh, molesting children, and whatever else they didn't get caught for, because I'm sure any conviction they got was a lot less than what they actually had done or, you know, got caught doing. Um, this kind of stuff, you know, it, it's going to go here. It's going to the evil spectrum. Uh, I know it's hard for people to understand uh, what these people's minds are really uh, thinking about. They are evil people. They are Luciferian, and they believe that what they're doing gives them power and authority. Okay? That's how... You have to understand that's the only way that they can actually think that this stuff is okay. Because no no normal person or good person with love and compassion in their heart that cares about our species would ever think of hurting a child or putting them in a situation where they would be scarred for life. Do you know what I'm saying? So we have to realize these people are evil. And it's going to take a lot more you know, then me, Liz, and Craig doing what we can on our own platforms, um, you know, to spread the word. Everybody's got to start spreading the word. Everybody's got to get upset about this and talk about it. Because then the media is going to have no choice but to, to address it. And I would love to see arrests of, of these people, uh, bigger names that were, you know, the whole Pizzagate investigations. I believe it's real. I believe it's legit. Um, and I feel like the, the way it was swept under the rug real fast with no investigation, bam, Wikipedia page, you know what I'm saying? Bam, James Elephantis on Megyn Kelly. That is suspicious to me, okay? This guy is a pizza shop owner. We oh, won't get into it. Everybody knows what it is, I'm sure, watching this show. Go ahead. Sorry about that. No, no you're, you're absolutely right. Um, Melissa, you make a great point with respect to, to Pizzagate. The, the way that it was handled by some even in the alternative media uh, is su- surprisingly disgraceful. That's just m- my view. 
However, some, uh, well, there was a lot of things, there, there was a lot of things taken out of context, um, that didn't happen that were, were, that was reported, but, but nonetheless, uh, Liz, let me ask you a question. I know that you had some issues, but Seth Rich, the, the homicide there, yeah. um, th- there's some overlap here, Liz. Is there not uh, with this? Well, there is, and I firmly, I've been saying this forever, I firmly believe that Seth Rich, his murder, and Seth, and what Seth Rich knew is tied to Pedogate, Pizzagate, and sex trafficking, whatever you want to call it. Right. I've been saying this forever. Um and without getting too far down the rabbit hole, I think at a minimum, it, it, as someone who's investigated this and broken several stories that have gone viral on his murder, um, I have no doubt that he leaked emails to WikiLeaks, okay? Now, there were two batches of emails that were leaked to WikiLeaks. There were the DNC emails, which resulted in Debbie Wasserman Schultz and Donna Brazil losing their jobs. And then there were the Podesta emails, which contained the ped- the FBI-identified pedophile code words. Okay? Now, there, he released either both batches of emails or, or one batch of emails. But regardless, I believe that he knew about the sex trafficking at a minimum. I believe he knew about it. And if he released the Podesta emails to WikiLeaks, then there you go. There's your proof that he knew about it. Um, so I believe that he knew about the sex trafficking. I believe that he was the leaker. I'm actually, I'm glad you brought this up because I'm working on a story tonight about Seth Rich's murder. I have an exclusive story that I'm going to break on your site first thing tomorrow morning. And I would have broken it today, but I've been um, focusing on um, the shooting today and the ties to sex trafficking and the shooting that happened today, and I'll post that story on your guys' site in a few hours. So you, so your audience is going to have a lot. It's going to be hearing a lot from me. Um, <laughs> we love it. <laughs> I'm like my head's spinning. There's so much going on. A yeah. couple of Energizer bunnies there. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm gonna, I need lots of caffeine. I'm about to drink some Red Bull tonight. Um, but it, it is all related. And that is why the deep state and the media is trying so hard to cover up both Pedogate and Seth Rich, okay? And, you know, to get back into what you guys were saying earlier about how to get this into the mainstream media, you know, and Melissa brought up Megyn Kelly, you know, here's the deal. These people that are involved in raping and torturing and trafficking children, Eric Trump said it best the other day when he were de- when he was describing some of the people that are desperately trying to destroy his father. He said, they're not people. And he's right. They're not. These are not normal human beings. They don't have a conscience. They don't have a soul. They are complete and total sociopaths. And they literally worship Satan. Okay? We learned that, most of this, through the Podesta emails you know, about their occult practices, their spirit cooking dinners, and, you know, and, and, and all that stuff. These people are horrible people, and they will never change. The people that we really, that I want to focus on um, exposing are the ones that are so-called good people that aren't involved in 
raping and trafficking children. However, they know about it, and they are not only allowing this to happen, but they're part of the cover-up. So I look at someone like Megyn Kelly, who did this ridiculous interview with James Alphantis, who at the minimum we know is exploiting children on his public Instagram page, not public anymore, but was exploiting children, sexual, sexualizing children on his Instagram page, and she did not ask any hard-hitting or serious questions about the way that he exploited children on his, on his Instagram page. People like Megan Kelly need to be shamed, okay? Because they are covering up for crimes against children. These are the people that we need to shame. And actually, I've been going through my tweets just now during the show, and I just came up with an idea. A lot of people have been, I've been tweeting all day about the shooting and how it's tied to sex trafficking. And a lot of my followers who are, who listen to your show, um, have been tweeting my tweets to people in the mainstream media. So that's a way that your viewers can help get the message out to the people in the mainstream media. Let's shame them. Take, you know, articles I write about sex trafficking, videos that that honeybee does. You know, Craig is constantly posting stuff from his social media accounts. Take our tweets, take our stories, take our videos, and tag all these scumbags in the mainstream media who are refusing to cover sex trafficking. That's a great idea, Liz. Let's just flood yeah. them. We just need they to are complicit. They're they're yeah they're perpetuating the the disinformation. They're they're the the propaganda ministry propaganda ministry against the American people. They are part of the downfall of our nation. Uh, and shame on every single one of them. And I and and uh, that's why I kind of tend to harp on them about that. And and uh, hope others will too. I think Liz makes a makes a strong point there. Uh, we need to realize they're not our friends. Uh, they they are lying to us, and it's causing grave harm. Absolutely. And Trump hates them too. Trump does not like the media. He calls them out all the time. He knows. He yeah. knows. He knows the truth. Well, Liz, Melissa, and Craig, we have reached the end of of the hour. I want to thank each and every one of you uh, so much for for joining us. This was a uh, um, very informative and 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 uh, very important subject matter we've been getting a lot of emails about that and hopefully we can we can do this again sometime uh three brave individuals you make a a, a world of difference out there and i want to thank you melissa i want to thank you liz and craig i want to thank you as well uh all, all three of you on the front lines taking uh, extreme risks and but getting the word out there uh craig 30 <laughs> seconds any words of wisdom well, I tell you, one, one word of wisdom is unity. Look at what we've got right here assembled. Um, Americans, look, citizens, unite. That's where it's at. That's the answer. We all stand up and say, heck no, and drive this thing back. And, and these ladies are right. It's evil. So united we stand, folks. That's where it's at. Amen. Melissa, 30 seconds. Your word of wisdom. Sure. I'm going to have to say definitely united we stand. I think it's a testament to even me and Craig's relationship you know, we had a little turbulent in the beginning, and we we realized that it's bigger than us. It's bigger than whatever you know we we could have had differences on. Um, another thing is, you got to fight, guys. You got to fight this. Use your voice, use your skills and your talents, like these beautiful people are doing. Um, you you guys as well at Hagman and Hagman Report, um, and your producer. 
John. He's just um, so motivated to, to get this stuff out. And um, it's just fighting together as a unified front. I mean, that's that's what it is. There it is. Liz, we only got about 10 seconds, kiddo. Your thoughts. So, yes. I just want to tell your viewers to look for my article that we'll be posting tonight on how the shooting today ties to sex trafficking. Look for my article t- tomorrow morning on Seth Rich. And please start tweeting the mainstream media about sex trafficking. Tweet them this episode of the Hagman Report. Let's shame them. Mm-hmm. Amen. Folks, that'll do it for us. Three great patriots, three great uh, investigative journalists. I want to thank each and every one of you. Thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you, folks. God bless America. Let's let's do this thing, right? Let's-